Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy, and today I've got Tom Peavy on the show with me. We have a lot to discuss after another weekend in sports, a very successful weekend in sports for Auburn on the baseball field and on the softball field as both teams able to go to Columbia, South Carolina, and take two out of three from the South Carolina Gamecocks. We will talk about Auburn Baseball's triumphant series with Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. We'll talk with him at about 4 o'clock. A lot to update you on with the transfer portal. Also, with all the guys that now have professional homes, former Auburn Tigers, we will talk about the guys that hit the portal from Auburn this past weekend. Also, new portal leads at quarterback to update you about. And then also, again, like I said, talk to you about the five guys that heard their name called during the NFL draft and the five guys to date that have uh, undrafted free agent deals uh, with teams. So a lot to talk to you about. Also Braves playing in a double header with the New York Mets, holding on to now just a one run lead in the bottom of the ninth inning, trying to get the first game of two today after two games were rained out this weekend, winning the first game at, uh, on the road on Friday and not, not playing until today with a doubleheader. So Braves trying to close the first game of that one. So a lot to talk about, best and worst the weekend, as always, to close the show. And we'll have a lot of fun today on the show. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here. Tom, hope you had a good weekend, sir. I, I did have a good weekend. Uh, I attempted to do some bass fishing uh uh, down on Lake Eufaula, and uh, I say attempting because it rained to begin with. Uh, this was all Sunday. Uh, rained to begin with, and then about 20 to 25-mile-an-hour winds blew in after the uh, rain, and that just became way too more wicked out there on the water than you want to deal with. And so, uh, like I said, attempted to do some bass fishing. But, uh, yeah, overall, great weekend, uh, great weekend of work, great weekend of attempted fishing, and – Hell of a great weekend for the batted sports for for Auburn. Uh, a very surprising uh, series win over number two South Carolina on the road. Uh, big time resume builder for Auburn. I know we're going to get more nuts and bolts of that, but I mean that that's what that was was a resume builder of epic proportions when you start thinking about uh, trying to get in the postseason because Auburn does not have a lot of ground to lose as far as being able to get to a regional later on so just an absolutely enormous victory there and then softball wise man maddie penta has just a, a no hitter first, first no hitter uh uh in sec play this year i think is what i saw um uh her first yeah there have her been first other, other no hitters. that's what i'm yeah. saying her yeah. first yeah in sec play yeah um i think she's thrown five in her auburn career right so uh i, I mean they 
that young lady has just she's turned into an absolute. I say she's turned into a phenom. She's already been phenomenal as it is. But uh, and by the way, the Braves have won nine to eight. So uh, Braves take game one uh, against the Mets. So, um, but yeah, I mean Auburn with a, a series win again, also over South Carolina. Uh, but that last deciding game, Matty Pinto was just incredible with the no hitter. So things going good. And yeah, and transfer portal draft, a lot of stuff to get into. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's let's go over some transfer portal stuff first, and then again, we will definitely get, uh, of course, to all of our phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Also, get more into the Auburn baseball series and softball as we go along. But let's talk. Uh, let's talk some portal first. There were a couple surprise guys in the portal this weekend. We knew that guys would enter. We just didn't have. Uh, faces and names with that knowledge until the deadline. The deadline was last night, so no one new is going to enter unless they are a grad transfer. So if you're looking out for the likes of a TJ Finley departing Auburn, or if you're looking, uh, as we've talked about with Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina, so grad transfers can still enter their name in the portal. But guys that are not graduates, their time has passed. They are where they're going to be. And so last uh, yesterday we saw a few late additions to the portal from Auburn. We saw offensive lineman Colby Smith, wide receiver Landon King, and then I think this was Saturday, not Sunday, but defensive end Dylan Brooks in the portal. So a couple of guys that people are very familiar with uh, from Auburn and I think would have had some sort of role on the team. I, I know that I've dismissed some other transfers at guys that simply are just not uh, depth chart-wise where they wanted to be. I think that Dylan Brooks would have absolutely gotten playing time. Right. I also think that Landon King would have had an opportunity to earn playing time where he was at this point in time on the depth chart. I do not know, but of course everyone had talked about Landon King for a long time. And now he's officially in the portal. So what do you make of these recent portal additions, Tom? Uh, it's just kind of part of it. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Is there's, I don't think there's anything to sweat about. It's not like you saw with Brian Harson, where there was like mass exodus. You have to imagine there's going to be some guys that are going to leave. Uh, yeah, some of them were surprising, but I, I mean, it's just kind of part of it. It's, it's part of that offseason right now. And I think these guys, while they were looking at – yeah, there's the potential I can get playing time, but there's also the potential I'm not. And I might be able to go somewhere where I can be a little bit more assured that I'm going to see the field on a regular basis. And, you know, these are decisions that these kids have to make uh, as far as their careers moving forward. And, you know, you wish them well. I uh, wish things had worked out better for them. But, uh, you know, it's it's when a new coach comes in, that's just kind of part of what happens with it. And now a part of the process so – well, I'll, I'll – let me not transition yet. I do want to say about these guys again. You know, there's a couple names on here that I think uh, are not significant, but at least impactful in some sort of way. Again, I think these were guys that were legitimately trying to get playing time. Of course, Landon King and had high expectations for a couple of years now. Kind of moved him to wide receiver. Was he more of a wide receiver tight end? And on a team that does not have a lot of you know, solid wide receivers. You hate to lose someone that was trying to be a part of that equation. Now, of course, Auburn can go out there and try and get a couple more uh, talented guys and, and get some guys to vie for those positions, just like they can get guys to vie for the quarterback position or any other position. So it's not like this is set in stone their roster, but certainly anyone that was a part of an already kind of 
mess of a wide receiver room, or at least a, a wide receiver room not anticipated to be that good, you know, that that's at least something. And then with Dylan Brooks, this was the highest rated guy that Brian Harson got in Dylan Brooks. Now, Brian Harson did not get many, many, many highly rated guys, right? Right. So that's not saying a ton, but Dylan Brooks was the highest rated recruit that he got two years ago. And he did play a little bit as a freshman uh, last year. Again, when you have the edge guys that Auburn had last year, it was not an incredible opportunity to play, but that's why it was very possible that he would have worked his way into the rotation this year. Uh, so again, I don't know where he would have stood exactly on the depth chart, but you'd have to think he'd play some if he already played some last year. So again, that one a little bit surprising because I, I think that's someone that on the more talented side, someone that could have been a part of the D-line going forward. And so that one's, again, a little disappointing. But there's nothing earth-shattering here still. And then at the same time, that's not a huge number, as you allude to. It's not nearly the numbers we saw the last couple of years. Now, granted, the first year of a new coach, you would always understand some poor guys. But even last year, there was a decent amount. I go back to earlier in this process. Obviously, Auburn also uh, will, will say goodbye to Jeffrey Emba and Tavares Dawson Jr., Emba went to Purdue. Uh, Emba went to Purdue, and Tavares Dawson flipped his commitment not too long ago. I don't know if you saw this. He's now going to Colorado uh, oh. with Deion Sanders. He was going to go to Cincinnati, now going to Colorado. So these guys are going to decent schools sure. for sure. Uh, but, again, uh, two wide receivers out of that mix is probably the thing that I would be, I don't know, most disappointed in. Not that it's some huge deal where – I, they can't recover from it because honestly, they had a lot to, uh, to to deal with in the first place. Trying to get some of these guys developed and get a few new guys in there, but I would say those are kind of impactful. And then the fact that you did lose two defensive linemen that might have been in the rotation for you again, I have reason to believe that Embal was not going to get as much playing time as originally thought. With Dylan Brooks, I'm not as sure, but I thought that he would have been the line to play some. So. Again, you lose guys that would factor in, but you didn't lose one of your key guys. You didn't lose anything just earth-shattering. I want to then flip this to the quarterback conversation. Last week, we talked a little bit about Casey Thompson coming out of Nebraska, a guy that I felt that they absolutely should be in on. They already brought him on the campus this past weekend to visit. And then on the heels of that, we see another transfer portal quarterback hit you guess you saved the best for last. The two best portal quarterbacks, in my opinion, both hit in the last 72 hours. Casey Thompson and now Peyton Thorne out of Michigan State. And so a lot of people are kind of comparing the two, trying to figure out which one is best. My initial take is just make sure you get one of them. Yeah. You know, I don't know if – I think Auburn is more so in the begging department. Uh, and, yeah. and so I, I think that they need to just focus on one. If you do, you have a preference on which one that is, or are you just very much just I do not care. Just get one of them. Just get one of them. Yeah. I, I'm definitely a get one of them. Uh, I I don't know enough about to like you know if you were to put them on the on the old you know the scales of justice I guess to see which one is going to go. Uh, I don't know. I don't I I don't know which one is the better quarterback. Um, but you just you have to have one. I mean, they're both good. They're they're both good. They're both experienced, and uh, I don't think you could go wrong with that. And uh, you just yeah, you've got to make sure that you get at least one of those here. If you're if you're not comfortable with your quarter your current quarterback situation, which I don't think anybody is, 
Um, so yeah, try try to get one of them. I I don't care which one it is. I, like I said, I I wish I knew better more. I, I guess I wish I knew more about Michigan State football, and I wish I guess knew I'm uh, that I knew more about Nebraska football. That way I could give more an educated statement on who is better. I just know that they're both good and they're both very experienced and could be valuable asset for Auburn. Well, and they they kind of compare pretty similarly, at least from the statistical standpoint. I know there's some differences in the way that they play, but, I mean, if you look at the stats, you, you could easily confuse the two, okay? Because I'm going to read you these two years uh, as starter. Both of them have been in a system or, or been in school for at least three years, but they've both been starters for two. So Peyton Thorne at Michigan State two years ago, he was 60.5%, 27 TDs, 10 picks. Last year, he was 62.5%, 19 TDs, 11 picks. Casey Thompson, two years ago when he was at Texas, 63%, 24 TDs to 9 picks. Last year, 63.1%, 17 TDs to 10 picks. Sound familiar? Yeah. It was 17 to 10 for Thompson last year versus 17 to, or excuse me, 19 to 11 from Thorne. And then two years ago, Thorne had 27 and 10, and Thompson had 24 and 9. Like, they're both at a very similar touchdown-interception ratio. They both have a very similar completion percentage. And they both are willing to run a little bit, but their rushing numbers are non-existent because they still get sacked a lot. And so they have a lot of negatives. They have a few rushing touchdowns. Again, the willingness is there, but it's not an innate, like, it's not a, a big part of their game. It's not something that they are going to do a whole lot of, I wouldn't think. And so, yeah, these guys on paper are pretty similar. I think Michigan State has obviously had a little more success than the programs that Thompson has been a part of the last couple of years with Mel Tucker, but even Michigan State was kind of disappointing after Mel Tucker got that big extension in the middle of 2021. So it's not like they were just world beaters last year. So I think that either way, Auburn's got to get one of these guys. You'd be getting in someone that's clearly not as good of a runner as Robbie Ashford, but is clearly a better passer than Robbie Ashford. And that at least needs to be a part of the equation when you're looking at trying to decide who's going to win uh, th- this job. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line real quickly, 334-887-341 locally, or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Michael from Auburn. Michael is with us. Michael, how are you doing? Doing good, guys. You're talking about wide receivers and and Auburn, and I just think back to like somebody like Ronnie Daniels. It was a, you know, you had the Georgia Florida, um, you know, All Star game, and he beats out Takia Spikes and I forget the other guy, um, but he ends up winning. You know, the MVP for that is a DB plays kind of professional ball and comes back, but he's just a freakish athlete. He wasn't known as being the wide receiver, and we. We put him there, and I mean, you go back to the Auburn Georgia game in '99, and he just lights him up, and you know Ben Lear's just throwing it up to him. But um, just freakish athletes like that, can we not, you know, look at it, it, it's something, and maybe you know, and, and, and the way that um, the system runs now, uh, you know, under Hugh Freeze, and maybe try to find somebody like that that we're able to do something or either even a tight end kind of situation and, 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 and with the, the backs that we have and try to run and just kind of use some some slot backs but but we'll just see what's what's going on but I, th- I thought that we could we could use some athletic builds like that and, and maybe not have to get one of these five-star guys that's out there if it's not available yeah you know I think that freeze though is still trying to 
build this the traditional way in the recruiting ranks just because you, you, we'll look at some of the visits he's got from 2024 and 2025 guys. Of course, they're going up to the five-star receiver from Phoenix City that, that many believe Auburn's got a, re- a realistic chance of getting. And I, I think the belief with Freeze is because of his pedigree developing and bringing in receivers to Ole Miss for a little while there, I, I think that he wide receiver is a position that he will ultimately recruit well. Now for this team and obviously for the short term, yeah, wide receiver is one of those places where they need the most help early on. So if they were to try to go an unconventional route, it would make sense for the short term. I don't know. You see some guys, uh, you see some track guys sometimes go to wide receiver and just be the blazing speed guys. The only thing I would say is is Freeze really likes that bigger bodied receiver, the athletic freak, so to speak, that you're you're referring to those six three guys that can still run like a deer and and all I that. Tread well, yes, exactly. And so uh, I I don't know if anyone would fit the profile. Obviously, you've got to be doing some some due diligence behind the scenes there to really trying to search for a dime in the rough. I think Freeze is so committed right now to trying to get those blue chip guys in here that I don't I don't know if he would look at something like that or not. But uh, I know certainly short term there is a clear help wanted ad out towards the, the wide receiving core. The kid out of Satsuma that's like a junior that's a stud down there that has a I think his dad you know is a, a legacy at Auburn. He's committed to Bama. Do you think we you know in the coming years we could flip him? I think Robert Williams or, or something similar to that. I think that's his name. Right. Uh, I definitely think I, I think they got a visit with him the other week, if I'm not mistaken. And again, that's the type of guy that they're working hard on right now. It's it's a guy two years down the line. Sure, it's a guy that's recru- uh, committed somewhere else. Sure. But that's something that Auburn was not doing a lot of the last couple of years. It almost felt like they were a little naive in that someone was committed, therefore they wouldn't keep recruiting those guys. And now that's not the mentality, and that's not the mentality you should have. You, you should still recruit these guys until they are absolutely signed, sealed, and delivered. And, and that's what all the big recruiting schools do. So all, I, I hate to be like this because we always want answers now, but it's really going to take a year or two to know how effective Auburn's going to be in this project. They're clearly doing the right things right now. They're getting these guys on campus. They're expending a lot of effort to get these big kids on their campus. But ultimately, they'll have to deliver them at some point, and we won't know the answers to that as Freeze has talked about. He is focusing hard on the 24 and 25 classes. So until those classes come through, we won't really know the true fruits of this labor. I think they're also just trying to build some pipelines that Harson kind of destroyed. Sure. Yeah, get, build God. back up the relationships that, that were not uh, as prevalent. Yeah. Michael, you there? Sound like we lost him. Yeah, I think we lost Michael. Michael, if you want to give us a, a quick call back, uh, feel free to do so. But, yeah, I, I think that um, with these guys, again, wide receiver, you can definitely have some cool stories because athleticism is so much about a, a part of it. Um, I think of a couple guys in the NFL – that ended up being track guys in college that barely played football. Thinking of someone uh, that played in Tampa uh, last year uh, or two years ago, Cyril Grayson, who yeah. went to LSU but barely played football for the most track guy. Mm-hmm. And he somehow catches a few touchdown passes in the NFL from Tom Brady. So that track route does happen from time to time. And for the short term, it would make some sense – for Auburn for a year to try and patchwork it. But, again, I 
and we've gotten a question or two before in a more general question. What's the best way to build a football roster now? Is it still with the big high school guys or is it with a bunch of portal guys? And the answer is no matter how many good portal guys you end up getting, the foundation has still got to be from high school. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to have the foundation from the high school guys. The portal guys have become an important thing, and they can, especially with a new coach, or, you know, if you're trying to uh, rebuild your roster, then, yeah, you've got to use those, the, the transfer. But, it, yeah, I mean, you're. I always point out, you know, you go and you look at Kirby Smart and you look at, uh, at Nick Saban and what they've done. Um, they have gotten a couple of transfers here and there, but, I mean, for the most part, they've lost guys. Their their core are guys that have been there for three, four, five years, and and that's where you're going to be successful. You're going to be successful when you bring in the number one recruiting classes, and like Georgia and Alabama have been doing, or Dabo at Clemson. Now you're you know you're going to see this starting to happen with LSU. That that's the way that you build your program. You, it, it's it's just like the guys that. Um, used to have to find success with the JUCO route. Um, I remember Jackie Sherrill. When Jackie Sherrill was at Mississippi State, it seemed like that was their thing, is they would go out and get the JUCO guys. Well, that's great. And, I mean, it would make you a pretty decent decent team, but it never made you a championship-caliber team. And so you can't solely rely on that. You, you, can, you can get the ones that help you out, a la Cam Newton coming in here and winning a national title uh, from JUCO. Um and so you can find that, but but your core is going to be the the kids in high school that are here with your program for that three four years. I mean, sure, you can catch lightning in a bottle, but lightning does not always strike the same place twice. And and you you live very year to year. And look, some of that's by some of that's by design now with with, with how many guys leave. And we can talk about this a lot with basketball. When if you lose five guys, it's almost half the roster. I mean, that's just the state of play. With that, so it's not just one program doing it, it's most of the programs doing it, but still in football, I know that you can have the situation like what Texas A&M had this past year where you make these big, bold promises to right. 20 and 25 incredibly talented high school guys, and then you suck for a year, and they don't play well, and everyone wants to get out, but a part of being a good coach in this day and age, it, it is so multifaceted because You've got to consi- you've got to got to keep winning. Like a part of the promise when you get these big high school guys is either like you're gonna play, or we're gonna coach you hard, or we're gonna win, or you're gonna get to the pros. And if you're not doing that, it's not that it takes a few years to unravel anymore because it takes a few classes and the kids still play for you anyway for a few years. Right. They can leave immediately. And so if you break those promises, if you start if you start on this downward spiral, it's going to get harder to get back out of it because so many people can abandon ship quicker. You know, if you have a class that doesn't work out and you have a bad year, well, that doesn't necessarily mean everyone that was good is going to leave you or that the next class is still not at least decent. You can usually still maintain for a little while and then if those guys ended up being better than normal or you got back on track then it's not going to just kill you long term but now you have a bad season and again I'm not going to say A&M's devoid of talent they clearly still have a lot of talent but they lost over half of that class from one bad year 
you know, and, and and immediately gone, regardless of the NIL money they were promised or or that sort of thing, the facilities and all of that. So it can, I guess, what it can, what it means is with this portal, you can catch lightning quicker, but it also can evaporate that much quicker too if you're not got all facets of the program in order. So right. that's why that you still need that base and you need those relationships so that you can count on a lot of high school guys year in, year out, and not just live in the portal thinking, I got to get my next quarterback constantly from the portal. I got to get my next stud wide receiver constantly from the portal because that person's not always going to be out there. And then even if you think that guy is out there when you bring him in, there's no guarantee they're going to play the same way in your uniform or develop the way that you think they were going to. So anyway, that's a long spiel. But I still think it's very important to – prioritize the high school guys first. Auburn is trying to do that, certainly, with a bunch of four- or five-star visits for a couple of classes from now. But also for this particular team, they're obviously still fishing in the portal, in particular for quarterbacks, and I think it necessitates wide receivers too. We're going to take our first time out of the show right now. When we come back, more on the Auburn Bank phone line. Also, a look at birthdays and sports. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here. So a good chat about some recruiting, some transfer portal. Again, Auburn with a few more names hitting the portal this weekend. Now out of time, if you're undergrad, if you've already graduated or will graduate here this week, next week, then you can still hit the portal this summer. All right, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gate Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Gary Clark turned 61 today, wide receiver, second round pick in the 1984 NFL Supplemental Draft to the Washington Redskins out of James Madison. I got Dukes. Played two seasons with the, in the USFL. Prior to the NFL, also played for the Arizona Cardinals and Miami Dolphins. Two-time Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, 1987 first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, part of the 80 greatest Redskins, and is in the Washington Commanders' ring of fame. Gary Clark turns 61 today. Curtis Martin turns 50. He was an NFL running back, third-round pick in the 1995 NFL Draft to the New England Patriots out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Go Panthers. Played 12 NFL seasons, first three with the Patriots, last nine with the Jets. 
Martin was a five-time Pro Bowler, 1995 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year and All-Rookie Team, 2004 NFL Rushing Yards Leader, 2006 Bart Star Award winner, New England Patriots All-90s Team, New York Jets Ring of Honor, and number 28 jersey retired by the Jets, member of the 2012 Pro Football Hall of Fame class. Curtis Martin turns 50 today. Wes Welker turns 42, former wide receiver, current wide receiver coach for the Miami Dolphins. Went undrafted in 2004, signed with the San Diego Chargers, released and picked up by the Miami Dolphins. Also played for the New England Patriots, Denver Broncos, and St. Louis Rams. Welker has also been assistant coach for the Houston Texans and San Francisco 49ers. While at Texas Tech... Uh, Guns up, is that what they say? Sure, yes, I think so. 2002, second team All-Big 12. 2003, first team All-Big 12. Welker, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time NFL receptions leader. 2004 All-Rookie Team and member of the New England Patriots All-2000s and All-2010s and All-Dynasty teams. Welker is tied for NFL record for most or for longest receiving touchdown. He had a 99-yarder, which is as long as you can do it. Wes Welker turns 42 today. Casey Mize turns 26. War Eagle. There you go. He was the first overall pick in the 2018 MLB draft to the Detroit Tigers out of Auburn. Made Tigers debut on August 19, 2020. As an Auburn Tiger, Mize earned 2018 first-team All-SEC honors, two-time All-American and consensus All-American, finalist for the Golden Spikes Award and Dick Houser Trophy, pitched a no-hitter against Northeastern on March 9, 2018, currently still recovering from Tommy John surgery, unfortunately. Casey Mize turns 26 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Presented by Max Credit Union. Again, Gary Clark turns 61. Curtis Martin turns 50. Wes Welker turns 42. And Casey Mize turns 26 today. And again, those are the birthdays in sports. With that, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good, Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my phone call. I know you're on there. Is it, uh, who else is on uh, today? Is it Tom? It's just me. Just me. It's hey, the man. dynamic duo right now. Well, I thought about you uh, because uh, you're always telling me, you know, in baseball and basketball, anything can happen. Well, that's right. I, I was just hoping for one win or South Carolina. We could probably should have had three wins. Yeah, could, could have, but yeah, it was a good series. Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, I say a poor damn shout out to Mister. Uh, is it Coleman? Is that uh, uh, the the uh, pitch I'm thinking of? Uh, well, Connor Copeland, yes, on uh, Copeland, Copeland, yeah. Saturday. I mean, yeah. he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he did a good job. I mean, again, Tommy Vale was pretty solid on Friday. Uh, they just got surprisingly good outings from their pitching. I know that they obviously hit a lot of home runs with their their bats, and uh, you know missed some opportunities yesterday with the bases loaded late, but still bases scored. Bases loaded, yeah. Still scored a bunch of runs overall. So you know they they continued to hit well, but they they got just enough from their pitching there. Yeah, uh, and guys, I, I don't know. You know, you hopefully are lost one eye, but what's what's going on? What's happening with Isabel? I mean, uh, I never know if he's going to be. The good or the bad is Bill that shows up. Yeah, I mean, he's just not had a, a, a good year for sure. Um, you know, he uh, – I, I I don't know what goes into everyone's uh, success or lack thereof. Um, 
again, consistency hitting the strike zone for pretty much everyone that struggled for Auburn has been a part of it. So, um, again, I, I, I'm sure that he wishes he had more command on a consistent basis too. All right, staying with baseball, guys, um, what do you think are the realistic likelihoods that we can make the NCAA tournament? Now, what needs to happen? How many wins and from who? Yeah, so definitely the chance is well improved. That knocked Auburn's RPI up a good 10 or so spots into the I mid- think it's, what, 34? Yeah, mid-30s, yeah. So uh, they, I, I think, so they're at nine conference wins. I thought they needed to get one each from South Carolina and LSU. So they've kind of already done that. If they get another one from LSU, though, that would be tremendous. What, what, what really just needs to happen is if they win their series against Missouri and against Ole Miss and they win their midweek games, they'd be at 13 uh, conference wins with a really good series against South Carolina under their belt. I think that would be enough. I definitely think if they can go win another game against LSU on top of winning those Missouri uh, and Ole Miss series, that would help a lot. And also just because if, if because it is baseball, you know, and and anything can happen. If they can get a game or so on LSU, then that maybe even helps them if they blow one of those series against a lesser opponent. Basically, they need to get to 13 conference wins. That that's the number that I would feel really good about. And so that means four more SEC wins over the next three series. Again, you don't expect a whole lot from LSU. If you get one, that would be great, uh, and that would allow you to have at least, you know, you don't have to be awesome against Ole Miss and Missouri. But, again, four more SEC wins will feel really good. Five would be a a, a lock, absolute lock, if they win five more. Okay, so if we were to sweep both Ole Miss and Missouri at home, is that a lock? Oh, yeah. That's, well, that's absolutely yeah, a lock. That would be sick. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I was looking at the uh, standings right now, and uh, it's interesting that uh, Vanderbilt is on the top, and then it's LSU, right? Yeah, Vandy's 16-5, and LSU's 15-5. and I think LSU had a game postponed. So, I mean, they've got the same amount of losses. They just have one less game and therefore one less win. Uh, but, I mean, they're neck and neck, and they're all, I mean, LSU, Vandy, South Carolina – even Florida, Arkansas. I mean, they're all top seven, eight teams in the country. So uh, Arkansas losing, would that help us a lot? Oh, I, I don't think that would be really impactful. I mean, Arkansas is too far ahead of Auburn in the SEC standings to matter. Uh, I know that Auburn got swept by Arkansas, so you can say, oh, well, that sweep looks okay. Well, I mean, it's Arkansas. I don't think the opinion of them is going to change much one way or the other as long as they don't fall off a cliff. Um, so, I mean, they're a well-respected team, period. Well, I know we're tied with Alabama and one other team. Uh, yeah, Texas for, I think, or not. Yep. Yeah, so those teams really need to lose more than any other teams for us, right? Yeah, I think SEC seeding-wise, obviously, that would, make, that would make sense. Right now, uh, that three-way tie takes place at eighth place in the SEC, so those are teams 8, 9, and 10 in Alabama, Auburn, and Texas A&M. So even then, I would say – may not mean a whole lot because eight versus nine plays each other in the first game of the tournament. And, uh, you know, I guess it matters who bats last, but obviously it's all going to be played in Hoover, and then the seven seed would play the ten seed. So, again, it's not like you're playing a vastly different kind of team. Maybe the seven seed would be someone like Kentucky or Tennessee who's hotter as of late. 
uh, in Tennessee, so maybe you want to avoid that if you're the 10. But otherwise, you just play the other team there. So Auburn's going to play someone. If they're in the 8-9, they'd play someone like Alabama or Texas A&M. Okay. Uh, and moving on to softball, guys, uh, I was really, really pleased uh, with the, uh, uh, the, the outcome that we won two of three on the road. In fact, I read we were the only – no, that was baseball, right? We were the only team uh, in baseball that went – uh, that uh, won a series on the road. Is that right? For the weekend? Uh, you know, I didn't keep track of that, but uh, uh, life on the road is always more difficult than at home, so uh, it would not surprise me. However, still, the fact that it was Auburn of all the teams playing at South Carolina, that inherently is a little bit surprising. Well, there's a column by uh, Phil Marshall today. I don't know if you had a chance to read it yet. It's a Monday morning musings, and he brought up uh, several uh, items. One I thought I wanted to bring your attention, that uh, I know you guys – they say are the Alabama listeners like Anthony or even uh, Keith or uh, Luke may say the same thing about me that I'm just a homer when I say these things right grumble. But even Phil brings up this uh, item, and I brought it up before. And he says, if there's a better pitcher out there than Pinta, I have not seen her. Does she get the attention she deserves? He says, definitely not. He says, why? Because the SEC Network, he says, and others who cover college softball are gog, that's his words, about Montana fouls and will be until she is gone. He said that's not her fault. She is great. But they seem to have forgotten about Penta and that she met, you know, Montana foul head-to-head and that she won. Uh, so he goes on to talk about – he talks about uh, D1softball.com projects six SEC teams will host regionals. Auburn is not one of them. And he scratched his head about that. He said it doesn't make much sense because Auburn is in third place in the SEC. And he says some Chris – some were criticizing our schedule, but our schedule is rated and ranked number 18 nationally. So what is it? His answer is those who cover softball in the SEC network shows played SEC softball, he says, and make no secret at all of their allegiances. And without question, he says, that influences who gets attention. It should not, but he says it does. And then he talked about the RPI, but here's another one. Uh, how much of an influence in these rankings and the promotions and the talking is talking about certain teams because of maybe not so much the player, but the name of the jersey of the team that the player is wearing. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't really – I don't know how – if, if, if Matt Pinto was wearing an Alabama jersey or LSU, or would she get – more people talking about her, or am I just way off uh, in making that assumption? I mean, I have not followed the SEC Network's coverage very closely of, of everyone that they've talked about and um, how often they talk about them. I know that, obviously, Alabama's got more history there with softball, and that's probably why they start there. And then there's a couple other programs, too, like a Florida that has been great at softball for a while. And so that's probably why, if all things are equal, they talk about those schools first. And yet we're right third right now in the SEC. Right, third in the SEC. I will say there is real credence to Auburn not having a good non-conference resume. They did not play many quality teams, and the couple of teams they did play, they did not beat. They got beat twice by Northwestern and Oklahoma City, and they got smacked by Oklahoma twice, which everyone gets smacked okay. by, by Ryan, Oklahoma. Has, has anyone but again, not been smacked by Oklahoma? 
I, well, right, but the Auburn's no different. So, um, and at least uh, I think LSU played them earlier this year, and they at least did not get smacked. So, again, Auburn does not have really any non-conference um, wins to really hold on to, and that's why their RPI is not as good because RPI measures part of, of things like that. So, all I'm saying is it is it is close for a reason, and uh, I think that. It's going to come down to these last week or two. I'm still optimistic that Auburn's going to be in the top 16, but it's all it's all very tight in there, and I get why uh, the Penta versus Fout stuff is frustrating because I know that, that Penta has, and not by a lot, but because Fouts has still been great, but Penta has, for the most part, outpitched her this year. Um, and But again, I'm not following the SEC Network's coverage all weekend long on how much they're talking about certain players and, and stuff like that. So, um, again, Penta has been great. Auburn is right there. And right now I'm leaving it at that. Okay. And his final comment about all this, uh, Phil Marshall, he says, if we sweep Mississippi State in softball and are not chosen as regional hosts, he says something is wrong. I would agree with that. Would, I would agree with we'd that. We'd be 15-9. and nine. Right. I, I think Auburn – uh, well, they're thirteen eight, so they'd be sixteen and eight if they they sweep Mississippi State. I I think if Auburn just wins the series and then does a cup wins a couple games in the SEC tournament, uh, that would that would be enough. Now again, we got to see who they'll end up playing in the SEC tournament, but uh, I I think as long as they win the series and then and then advance a round or two in the tournament, I I think that would be enough to host. Okay, guys, quickly your thoughts and comments about. Uh, the draft, the NFL draft, and how we did. Uh, what would you grade uh, our drafting of our players? Yeah, I, I think pretty much as expected. Uh, I mean, you got Derek Hall very early in the second round. Carlson getting drafted was kind of a surprise. That, that was surprising. Did not expect him to get uh, get drafted. Uh, again, we talked about Wooden potentially going in the third. He went fourth. We said Tank third or fourth. He went third. Uh, Papo, we said mid to late round. He went fifth round. I think kind of as expected. The only surprise would have been Carlson gotten picked because, again, not many kickers get drafted. And it did, Carlson, despite having a big leg, did not strike me as someone that would get drafted. Definitely someone that would have gotten in a camp somewhere, but a little surprised he got drafted. So all in all, I mean, I don't know if you want a letter grade or not, but but I, I think Auburn is, is, is fairly pleased how it turned out. Any players that didn't get drafted for Auburn that might be drafted as a free agent? Yeah, there's already five of them. Uh, I was going to wait a little bit later to uh, to reveal all those, but uh, I'll give you uh, I'll give you one that we thought could get drafted. Aku Leota went to yeah, Car- we about him. Went to Carolina. Uh, oh, he did. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so again, these undrafted guys, several of them end up making it. Several of them end up never making the roster. So we'll just have to see how it goes in the fall. But Leota was someone that I thought was at least possibly got drafted. He did not, but he is uh, with Carolina. And same with football real quickly, guys. Uh, we lost two more players. The one that uh, kind of took my surprise was Landon King, guys. Were you surprised by that or, or not? Uh, I think there's a, a, you know, in general with with these guys, there, it's not surprising that there was a few numbers there. Uh, with King, I believe he'd already been in the portal before right. and then came the back. Time. So in that instance, n- no, not really, because he'd it's obviously been on his mind before, and I don't think his status has greatly changed at Auburn. I don't think he was in line to play a lot. I think it was still possible he'd play some and, and maybe work his way up depending on how the season went. But 
you know, I think he had been on his mind before. I think the only surprise is just that Auburn bled a couple wide receivers out of a wide receiver room that wasn't that stacked to begin with. So uh, maybe Auburn's going to get a couple guys in the portal. I know they got a couple visits and that sort of thing. But I, I guess a small surprise, but I don't think it's necessarily that impactful. You see, that's what kind of um, – when you're making your comments, guys, about uh, you know not relying so much on the portal uh, and NIL – uh, that you should start, you know, with uh, people graduating from high school. Uh, I used to believe in that too, because uh, then they develop. But it seems like now it's becoming way too easy for people who feel like, well, I'm not going to play. Not play me as much. I'm just going to. I'm going to leave because I know a number of players who, uh, I don't know, let's look at Fairly, Nick Fairly. He didn't do that great in his first uh, year at Auburn. In fact, he was doing kind of crappy, but then he developed. And became an outstanding uh, player for us. Uh, people aren't patient enough to, to to improve and develop themselves. That's what I'm concerned about with the portal crap. I mean, yeah, guys guys leave quickly all the time now. I mean, that is for sure. But you was well, st- that a good or bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. But do you guys think differently? Well, I mean, it's good for the players. I mean, it, it clearly they you know they they have wanted some gains in the you know player. Uh, I don't want to say empowerment, but they've wanted some stuff where they want to be protected against coaches leaving. Uh, they feel, obviously, with the with the NIL stuff, they're able to uh, profit finally off of uh, something that that get, they they help others profit a lot off of. Um, again, I I've, I like that they are now making it far more stringent on the second time transfer. I think it's okay for a college kid to make a mistake once and then try and right that wrong. But if you do it time and time again, I feel like you're not learning anything. Well, so that's what I'm referring so, to, Ryan. You brought it up. You know, we see numerous players go from Auburn and go from one place, they didn't succeed there, they went somewhere else, didn't succeed there. You know, right. finally, you know, is it about the team or is it about yourself? I mean, I think for a lot of them it's about themselves. I mean, and again, like, I, I, I know we all want it to be about the team. We all want it to be about Auburn and loving the school you're at, but that's that's not the case with everyone. It's yeah. just not. Uh, do you think that every single person that goes to Alabama goes to Alabama because they love the University of Alabama? No. A lot of them want to win a title. They want to make money. They want to go pro. It's about em- yeah. empowering their play, future. Just want to play under Nick yeah. I, I know. I know that. And I'm not naive. But, you know, I grew up, you know, and I've said many times before, and all the books I've read, of the players that played Auburn that said, because they loved Auburn. Yeah, but also if you go back and you look at that, those guys are they're in state. Most of them are most of them are going to be in state guys. A lot of guys are even going to be kind of local guys. Uh, I mean, those, those are the ones they've they've grown up around Auburn. They've loved Auburn since the time they were little kids and things like that. That's just not the way it is these days. Uh, you know, you're 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 trying to bring in kids from you know, down in the Miami area, you're trying to bring in guys from the Atlanta area. You're trying to bring in guys from all over the country. Those 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 kids don't have a connection to Auburn from lifelong type stuff. And that's back in the good point. Back in the day, I mean, you had a lot of those kids that were growing up with Auburn. We got to go to break here, Steve. Last thought. Okay, guys, thanks for your time. Um, I do appreciate everything uh, that you guys let me ramble on about. Look forward to. Uh, uh, Mr. Brooks Children tomorrow. He's returning from his honeymoon, right? Uh, yes, he's at work today, and he'll be on the show tomorrow. Okay. Well, I'm glad that he survived the honeymoon and that they're still married, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. With that said, guys, I look forward to hearing Mr. Ives later on in his comments. 
So uh, y'all have a safe afternoon, and uh, we'll talk to you more again, hopefully. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, see. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward MC joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time here for hour number one. We will go to commercial break right here. Uh, Kevin Ives will be coming up. He is at AUPP on Twitter. He will talk all things Auburn baseball with us. Stay tuned. A lot more ahead here on this Monday edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy and Tom Peavy here on this Monday edition of the program. And to start hour number two, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, and we are pleased to bring on Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. Kevin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Hope you had a great weekend, or hope you had as good of a weekend as Auburn baseball had this weekend. I mean, Auburn baseball really helped me have a great weekend. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it was it was pretty much. I mean, it was a surprise to me. I, I thought we'd at least get one game, but getting the series and honestly being a run from a sweep um, was huge. I mean, it's huge for Auburn. On a confidence level, especially how the week started, um, it's huge because it lets a little bit of the pressure off going down the stretch. But I think the biggest thing is that you just have to have confidence now that you've gone a team that you beat a team that only lost one game at home going into that that series, and you doubled that number. Um, a team that was ranked number two or number three, depending on the poll that you look at, at a pretty high RPI, um, and a team that was just blasting home runs in Auburn managed to take care of business. The offense was clicking. The pitching did surprisingly well, really limited the home runs. I think maybe Carolina only had like three home runs the entire series, which is kind of unheard of for them in a weekend. Um, And now Auburn has to feel good um, going into a a big series against LSU this weekend, have basically a full week of rest going into the Friday game, um, and really knowing what's ahead of them and what they need to do to make an NCAA tournament and make the SEC tournament. Yeah, let's start with some of those pitching performances, Kevin, because obviously we've we've asked you almost every single week some variation of is Joseph Gonzalez ever going to come back? Will Auburn find the strike zone? Who can give them some good innings? And finally they got a series where, A, they pitched well, but, B, they pitched well against a team that is known to hit. I mean, South Carolina can do everything. I mean, they had a great team ERA too. But uh, they had legitimately good outings on the mound. What What impressed you about Auburn's pitching this weekend? I think one of the bigger things is 
how Tommy Dale has kind of emerged as that as the ace of the staff. I mean, he his past three outings um, have led to Auburn wins, and they've kept Auburn in it um, and really kind of stabilized the rotation that's not going to have Justin Gonzalez because I think it was announced that he was out for the year. So you won't get Gonzo back. And so what Dale was able to do um, and handle those bats and really kind of set the tone um, on the mound and not let Carolina have those big innings, it really gave you confidence going forward and it allowed the bullpen not to be stretched out that much. And even this weekend, Auburn was without um, John Armstrong and Zach Crotchfeld. Um, hopefully this week we'll kind of give them a little bit more rest so they can be ready to go. And so even with all of the the knocks against the pitching staff, they really, really held their own. And you really had some, some great outings um, from guys that just stepped up when they needed to. Um, and I think that was sort of the best thing. But, yeah, there were still some walks, um, and there, there were still some hit-by-pitches that, you know, need to be worked on. But I think the bigger thing this weekend on the, on the mound is that those walks didn't derail everything. Auburn was able to let their defense work a lot, um, and they were able to get a big strikeouts when they needed to. And it was really a next-man-up mentality. And so you really have to look at the staff as a whole and how well that they did. And really, I don't know if you're, you're feeling super confident, but I think you feel better as to what um, you can kind of expect from the pitching staff and how everybody's kind of slotted into different roles right now. I'm still tempted to say that at this point in the year, I mean, we've, we've played so much baseball that you kind of are what you are to some degree, although Auburn is clearly trying to prove me wrong because they're they're getting better in some areas. They're getting more depth in their lineup now and that sort of thing. But with this pitching staff, it feels to me that if they were able to find the strike zone, that their stuff is not bad. Like Like if they had the control – they would all of a sudden be able to pitch markedly better. Is that the sense that that you have, whether or not they're actually going to be able to stay away from the walks and hit by pitches is one thing, but do you feel that their stuff is good enough to, to throw up some good outings? Oh, absolutely. And I really think, unfortunately, that it's really going to depend on who is behind the plate as an umpire and what kind of strikes them that they have. And I think that Auburn has not pitched well when the, when the strike zone has been really tight. Um, and when they haven't, they've not been given the calls that maybe um, another umpire would have given them. You never want to blame it on the umpire, but I think you've kind of seen that a lot this year with college baseball umpires and even major league umpires. There is more of a focus on them, and they're getting more reports as to what they got wrong, and it's caused the strike zone to really tighten up, um, almost too tight on for a collegiate level. And so I think that's one of the reasons why these walks have spiked, and I've it depends on who, you know, who's going to be the umpire that day, whether or not it's going to be a ball or a strike. Um, and that's frustrating as a fan to watch. It's frustrating. I know it's frustrating as a pitcher to pitch because you could have stuff that last week was hitting the mark and it's going to be the same spot, but another guy's behind the plate and all of a sudden that's a ball and it changes your entire plan for, for, for each batter and each hitter. So Auburn, I think, has done a good, good job adjusting as the series progresses, and, and I think using scouting reports on the umpires as well, knowing kind of what their tendencies are and what they're going to try to call. Um, but one of the biggest things really for Auburn is just putting the ball in play and letting the defense work, and it's something that I think that the coaches have harped on. I know that I've mentioned before. Um, the defense has really, really stepped up and has really been a bright spot this season, and so let them work. Um, you saw that in the South Carolina series. Some really, really good defensive plays, really, you know, huge double plays that were turned. 
And those are done because you're not nibbling the strike zone. You're letting the ball, you're keeping the ball low, and you're letting it stay in play. And you've got guys like, you know, um, like Cole Foster um, and, you know, and, and Caden Green really doing well in the middle. Um, and Cooper McMurray doing a great job at first base, kind of scooping balls out. So let the defense work, and I think good things are going to happen. Looking on the offensive side of things, and uh, the guy that I want to mention, you just said his name, Cooper McMurray. Uh, let's let's take Sunday Sunday 0 for 4 with 4Ks. Let's scratch that one because that kind of seems an anomaly for what he's been doing. But, man, what the hell has happened to Cooper McMurray all of a sudden? I mean, that dude has just brought a bat that – I guess I guess he's just been eating his Wheaties. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's the fact that he's just been he's, he's healthier. Um, he's you know got a lot more at bats under his belt, um, and he's just gone on a power surge, going on a tear right now, and it's really helped Auburn a lot. Um, just having that power, and really the power this weekend at Carolina was one of the most surprising things I've seen. Auburn was just launching balls, yeah. and that's not something you've seen offensively from the Tigers this year. And so I think that also gives us more confidence, not just from Cooper, but from everybody else, knowing that the power is there, but you don't always have to you know, hit for power. It's just linking up, getting that next guy up. Um, and hitting for average is just as good. But the fact that, that McMurray has been that solid and that much of an offensive threat um, with the long ball has really, really helped Auburn and, and kind of taking the pressure off some guys lower down in the lineup. Uh, but it was great offensively. Top to bottom, I'm talking about from the top. Chris Stanfield was amazing at leadoff. Stole home that first game. Yeah. Really set the tone. Um, Nate LaRue was in the in the nine hole, and Nate, you know, has kind of struggled this year, but he had two home runs this season against the in this series against Carolina. So, I mean, it's something that I think stuff is starting to click a little bit. Guys are getting more comfortable, um, and now you're also reaching a point too. You got to understand that after this week, the focus is completely on baseball, pretty much because. This is the last week of last week was the last week of classes. This is just finals, um, and so these next three series, like these guys are going to be able to spend more time watching film in the weight room, working on their swings, adjusting things. And so, from what you've seen these past couple weeks, it's just going to get better, hopefully. And so, the path to thirteen wins in the SEC got. Uh, a couple of extra uh, kind of branch-offs now that they were able to win the series at South Carolina. So, Kevin, is it more important in your mind to, like, which would be more, I don't know if detrimental is the right word, or, or which would be more beneficial, which which side of the equation you're looking on. But for, for a long time we've said get one against South Carolina, get one against LSU, win the series against Ole Miss and Missouri. We expect that Auburn – can can win those series against Ole Miss and Missouri. We, we know that they are the better team. But as we just saw, this is baseball and things can happen. So what what would be, I don't know, what would you prefer? Would you prefer Auburn to get swept by LSU but do take care of the series against Ole Miss and Missouri? Or would you prefer that they get a win against LSU and one of those last two series they only take one out of three from? Well, I think ultimately those last two weekends are the most important. At Ole Miss and um, in Missouri at home, and Ole Miss is going to be tough at home. You saw that this past weekend um, when they uh, beat Georgia. They took the series from Georgia. You don't know what Ole Miss team you're going to get um, when they come in. They play Missouri next weekend, so they may come in with a bunch of confidence and think that hey, maybe we can kind of right the ship and sneak into the SEC tournament. And so they now have more to play for. Um, but where you are in the standings and in the pecking order, you def- you have to take those series from Ole Miss and Missouri. The LSU series, I think, this past weekend shows that, yes, you can take a series 
from one of these top teams, and you should. You've got to take at least one because I think getting swept by LSU at home, no matter how good they are, is going to be extremely deflating, especially with what you did this past weekend in South Carolina. Because I think that you know that you can do it. Um, and I think the confidence is there. And it's at home, and especially that, you know, that Friday and Saturday night game. Um, there's going to be a big crowd. And you kind of hope there's a little bit of home field magic that kind of works a little bit in your favor because you take the series from LSU and now a lot of the pressure is off of you. And now if you end up taking two of the three games from them, then you can kind of not necessarily rest a little bit, but you know that you can play with more confidence and start playing for a seed at that point. Um, but overall, like if Auburn ends up getting swept by LSU, I don't want to happen. It still it, it doesn't change anything that that Ole Miss and Missouri series are just must win for the postseason. Uh, kind of looking ahead now at that LSU series, obviously it's going to be tough. Uh, I mean they're they're ranked number one for a reason. Uh, what does this LSU team have outside of just some of the best players in college baseball? <laughs> well, I mean they do. They've got some of the best players. They have you know the majority of the top draft prospects in the SEC. They have a really, really good offense. Um, but you did kind of see what Auburn was able to do against an equally good offense in South Carolina. Right. The Friday game is going to be tough. You're probably going to see Paul Skines, um, or Skines, S-K-E-N-E-S. Um, he's a transfer from Air Force and probably one of the top pitching prospects in college baseball. Him against Vale will be a really good game, a really good matchup. Uh, because after that, LSU has shown a tendency to make errors in the field, um, and their pitching is hittable. And so the offense, as long as they're focused, I think can do their job um, and and consistently put up runs and get hit, it's really going to be how can you limit the LSU offense? Um, how can you, you know, re- you know kind of rein in guys like, like Tommy Tanks and stuff like that? Because they're going to blast the ball, and they're going to be relentless. But LSU is, is, is beatable. I mean, you – you saw that they did sweep Alabama, but they lost a midweek game to Nickel State. Um, and they're going to come in at least at playing one extra game because they have a midweek game against Southeastern Louisiana, um, which I think at I think in Hammond, Louisiana. So it's going to be tough for them. Um, but I think for Auburn, like just do what you did this weekend against South Carolina. You know, keep the ball low. Don't give up free passes because they're going to feast on them, and just. Stay focused and, and stay locked in with what you know you're going to be successful at and what you have been successful with. Talking to Kevin Ives here at AUPPL on this Monday edition of Sports Call. We'll leave you with this, Kevin. Uh, I know that, that you go to so many of these games. How excited are you personally for this? Because LSU has been number one really all season long. There have been rises and uh, you know comers and goers in the SEC, and we've talked about South Carolina and Florida and Arkansas and Vandy, but LSU has been the constant all year long. How personally excited are you to watch this series? I mean, I'm I'm excited. I think I'm I'm, re- I'm really excited just from a program standpoint because a lot of the focus, especially from what Auburn did last weekend, is going to be on this weekend is. Maybe a, a sneaky upset pick. Um, but really, I think at this point, I'm more excited because of what everything else is going on in Auburn. You know, with graduation this weekend, the fact that a lot of schools are starting to let out or, or kind of um, back up a little bit, more people are going to be able to come to the game. That 8 o'clock game on Saturday, you know, weather permitting, I haven't looked at the weather, but you always have to worry about that. But the 8 o'clock game on Saturday should be a lot of fun, um, nationally televised game. Um, 
and just having that crowd atmosphere this weekend is going to be huge. Um, and I, I think that, you know, Auburn does have a good home field advantage um, when they play at Plainsman Park. Um, you know, teams aren't really used to the – they're not used to the wall. They're, they're used to playing in these giant cathedrals of stadiums sometimes. If you're coming from Arkansas and Mississippi State and Ole Miss and at NLSU at Alex Fox, you come to Auburn and, and it's um, a lot smaller. They're not really used to that. They're not really used to how the fans are kind of on top of you at Plainsman Park. And so I, I'm just excited because it's going to be good baseball. I think I'm excited more because of – there's a confidence, there's a little bit more of a swagger because of that South Carolina series. And so you're not, you're not coming into this LSU series limping. You're coming in um, with a little bit of bravado. Um, and now that, you know that you can, now that you know that you can kind of back it up a little bit, it, it's time to, to do it and time to kind of keep turning heads. They turned a lot of heads this weekend. I mean, there's a lot of national writers. And Mark Etheridge read D1 Baseball, wrote a couple things about Auburn, um, you know, how they kind of turned the corner and clicking at the right time. You want to prove them right. You want to you want to make sure and show that that South Carolina series was not a fluke or an aberration. That Auburn has turned a corner and kind of figured things out, and this is the weekend to do it. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, as always, we appreciate the time with you. We hope you have a great weekend. We hope uh, we're talking next week after another triumphant series, the way Auburn just had in Columbia. But as always, we appreciate the time with you. We hope you have a great week. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right. That is Kevin Ives joining us today on Sports Call at AUPPL Plainsman Parking Lot on Twitter. I, I'm going to be out of town this weekend, but, I mean, wow, what a series that would be so awesome to go to. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. whether you're in the stadium, whether you're up on the parking deck with Kevin and, and that whole crew, uh, I have a feeling the atmosphere at Plainsman Park yeah. is, is going to be pretty special well and as kevin talked about there at the end the, the saturday night eight o'clock game it is very rare to play a game that late in auburn uh for for baseball and given that lsu's in town given that finals will have just concluded a i think there'll be a big crowd b it will be an incredibly rowdy crowd yeah. uh saturday night like that and so uh, i'm looking forward to this weekend of course baseball can be uh, very humbling at times. And so Auburn on the heels of this great series, they're going to have to play their best baseball again yeah. if they want to have success. But, uh, again, LSU, these other teams are great. And, and someone else other than LSU might win the title, and it might be from the SEC and all that. But LSU has been at the top all year. Yeah. Like, it has not waned. It is not – they've not dropped to seven or eight and come back up. They've been up at the top. They might have dropped out of once, like – out of number one, like one week, yeah. and other than that, they've been there the entire season. Well, and, and I think most people saw this coming, um, and, and especially with with what they started doing in the transfer portal. Uh, so I had a conversation with Casey Howell, Auburn center fielder Casey Howell. I had a conversation with him, uh, very much off the record, just hanging out conversation, and talking about just kind of baseball in college in general. And Casey Howell told me this was last year at, at the end of the season. Um, and we were just sitting and just kind of shooting the breeze with each other. And he told me then, he goes, dude, LSU is putting an all-star team together. He's like, it is ridiculous what LSU is about to do. He said they've got the bat company, the, they got the, the Mariucci bat company there in, in Baton Rouge. And so they're able to do a lot of NIL stuff. And he's like, dude, they are putting together an absolute killer all-star team of some of the best college baseball players. And all of a sudden, you started seeing it. Tommy Tanks comes from NC State. Skeens comes from Air Force. They keep a guy that they thought might go uh, get drafted and, and leave, and he stayed. Watch out. I mean, LSU's yeah. tough. They, they, are, they are very, very good. But 
Auburn has shown that they can now, they have shown now that they can play with the best of the best and on the road. Now you put them in this environment against LSU, watch out. I, I, I think that is definitely sneaky upset alert for, uh, for the number one team. We shall see. We'll talk about it and preview it a little later this week. And, of course, we'll have thoughts again next week. Again, no midweek game for Auburn baseball, so can't they can't lose that momentum in the midweek. We thought they had lost the momentum after they lost to Troy in the midweek last week. Yeah. Fortunately, they, they proved us wrong. They turned it right back around and had their best SEC series of the year, to be quite frank, at South Carolina. We're going to take a timeout. More sports call after the break. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au if you're sleeping during the weekday rush this is what you missed out on today an iconic store in southern indiana has decided to close its doors after 70 years in business yes i am talking about none other than butt drugs in Corydon, indiana closing its doors. What more fun can you get than having a butt shake on a Saturday afternoon? Butt was the given name, so you make it what it is. Have fun with it. The small independence we can't sustain when we're at their mercy. Even though this kind of feels like a premeditated funeral, we want to look at it as a celebration of life because there's not too many businesses that have actually been here for three generations. It's pretty incredible it's been there for so long, but in just six days, butt drugs will be closing its doors in southern Indiana. Goodbye, butt drugs. Tune in to the Weekday Rush with James Chandler, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you. Appreciate Kevin Ives for joining us, talking some Auburn baseball. If you missed that, you can go check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy nice cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. All right, let's recap some NFL draft stuff in particular these Auburn guys that all went uh, after the show Friday and later. So uh, we alluded to it a little bit with Steve. We're going to go over the five guys that got drafted, also five at least. Uh, there might even be another one I, that I've, I've lost track of, but at least five undrafted free agent signings for Auburn. So in all, ten Auburn Tigers at least with an opportunity to, to go to a, a training camp and try and compete for a roster spot or a practice squad spot. So here's the drafted guys. Derek Hall, second round, 37th overall pick. So he went very early in the second round to the Seattle Seahawks. 
Tank Bigsby, third round, 88th overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll tell you why I really like that pick in just a moment. Colby Wooden, fourth round, 116th overall to the Green Bay Packers. Fifth round, 168 overall for Owen Papo to the Arizona Cardinals. And then uh, the surprise, Anders Carlson, sixth round, 207 overall, to also to the Green Bay Packers. So Carlson and Wooden drafted by the Packers. Here's the undrafted guys. John Samuel Shanker will go to camp with the Las Vegas Raiders. Shedrick Jackson will go to camp with the Cincinnati Bengals. I, would, I don't know if he'll make the team. I would thoroughly enjoy him catching passes from Joe Burrow, though. Eku Leota will go to the Detroit Lions. That was a guy we thought might get drafted, but he'll go undrafted, going to the, to the Lions. Uh, I think I said Carolina with Steve earlier, and I, and I did not. That was not uh, what I meant. Uh, uh, Killian Z- Zaire went to the Houston Texans, and Brandon Council uh, offensive line went to the New York Jets. So, again, all in all, 10 guys for Auburn. Let's start with the drafted guys, though, Tom. Uh, anything stand out to you? Any situations that you really like with those five drafted Auburn Tigers? Uh, you know, I mean, the, there, there's not really situations I like, dislike. I mean, they, they're all good teams that they went to. And, I, I mean, no real surprises there other than Carlson getting drafted because when we sat here and talked about that he might get a camp invite, but because of the injuries that he sustained, uh, you know, especially with a kicker having leg injuries, it, it makes people a little weary of it. And, uh, he uh, really struggled from the 50 and out, and, and that's just kind of an automatic kick for most NFL guys. So, yeah, kind of surprising that uh, that the Packers would take a, a risk with a draft pick on him. Now, I, I do want to say this with Tank Bigsby, and, I, and I'll let you say what you were saying. You said you like the situation in Jacksonville. The only thing I don't like about that is there have been Auburn running backs that have gone to Jacksonville, and they just, for whatever reason, they just don't succeed in Jacksonville, and I, I don't know. That's As soon as I saw that Tank was going to Jacksonville, I was like, oh, well, that's where Auburn running backs go to die. And that was my first thought because so many of them have gone to Jacksonville, it feels like. I, I swear there's been like three or four that have gone to the Jaguars and just peter out and don't do anything. So I hope that doesn't happen with Tank, but you like the situation. Yeah, I, I only remember Corey Grant being drafted by Jacksonville, but he was kind of late, and, I mean, he kind of was what he was. It, mean, it was Corey Grant. I swear there was another one that, that spent some time in Jacksonville. I, and I, I want to say there were two others that spent time in Jacksonville and just never did anything. Trying to rack my brain. I mean, I'm, I'm going recent running backs. I know Mason went to the Rams. I know that uh, Carrion went to the Lions. You want to go further did back? Peyton, ben, ben Tate was a Texan, but he was pretty good did, for a while. Did Peyton Barber go through? I know he was at Tampa no. Bay for a little. Did Peyton Barber not go through Jacksonville? Not that I'm aware of. And he was respectable for Tampa for a while. So, I mean, he wasn't bad. Um, I don't Who am I? Unless I am just completely wrong. I don't know. I think Cameron pop- Ars Payne got a cup of coffee with the Panthers. I mean, it is. I've definitely been wrong before, but I. I, I mean, again, I, for Grant some reason, went, I had in my head. That there were these running backs that played at Jacksonville outside of Corey Grant that just never amounted to squat with them. And I, I'm probably just making stuff up. I don't know. I, I I'm not saying that you are or not. I just I, I'm other than Corey Grant, I'm not not thinking of anyone. Uh I like this situation because uh so they, they just drafted, you know, last year uh Travis Etienne 
and ETN is really good. Uh, I will give you that. He had an 1,100-yard year. They don't really have anyone else on that roster, though, that, that is a running back that, that is going to play. Um, maybe Dearness Johnson, but that's about it. I think Tank Bigsby from day one is the number two running back. And with ETN, he's still a guy that strikes me as someone that has a limit to his amount of touches. Like I, I don't know if he will always be someone that goes 25 carries a game. I think he's very much someone to be like 1A, 1B with someone, despite his good production last year, no I. But again, in 17 games, 220 rushes. So that's about 13, 14 rushes a game. You know that 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 is that he shared the workload with somebody last year. I think that will continue, and so I think Tank has a real opportunity to get real carries from the word go. Which that's what you're looking for when you're a third, fourth round running back. Those are the type of guys that some of them end up being starters in the league, and the reason they do that is they get into situations where from day one they get carries, and it's like, wait a minute, this guy's pretty good. And I think so much intention is going to be on Trevor Lawrence and and everything that they try and do with the passing game. I think it'll open up opportunities for the run game again with ETN and, and Tank Bigsby. I do want to see Bigsby develop as a pass catcher because he really that it was not his strength at Auburn, and I, I feel that he has a lot of work to do if he's going to be able to be a pass catcher. He just didn't have great hands, to be honest with you. ETN is much more involved in the passing game, and so – I think that they can carve out a role if Bigsby can be a productive runner from the word go. They can start to focus on some of ETN's injury and uh, or energy in the passing game while Bigsby's in the in the backfield more often. I don't know. I, I like that situation because I think he is guaranteed to be the number two running back unless they do something weird and uh, late in free agency here and get some sort of veteran in there. They got two young guys in the backfield with Lawrence that they can they can use for several years to come. So I like Bigsby's play there being the set number two with a certain amount of limitations on how many touches ETN's going to get. I think it's built in for the number two back there to get a decent amount of touches. Like if you're the number two back in Tennessee, I guess you get some carries because they're just going to run the ball so damn much. But also Derrick Henry's going to run the ball so damn much. So there is some sort of limit there to what the number two can do. But I think the number two has some room to grow there in Jacksonville. So I like that for Bigsby. Obviously, I like Derek Hall. Seattle under Pete Carroll has just developed great defensive players year in, year out. Um, you know, I, I'm not familiar familiar with the situation for Papo being, you know, an Arizona fifth-round guy. Fifth-round right. guys aren't locks even necessarily no, to, not at all. to make the team. I think our very own Deshaun Davis was a six-round pick with Cincy, and, I don't, and, and he did not make the roster there. So, you know, not locks there, but obviously there's some raw ability with Papo. Uh, Colby Wooden in Green Bay also honors Carlson in Green Bay. Again, with Carlson, I don't doubt his leg strength. Uh, I mean, no. he tried many a field goals from 50 to 55 yards. It's just that at some point in the NFL, he's going to have to hit some of those at Auburn. He did not hit many of them. Uh, so I I could be wrong. I Maybe I forgot. I thought Mason Crosby was still there. Um, I don't know if Crosby retired or not, but that now makes me question what's going on with Mason Crosby. Crosby is older. I mean, he's like 37 right. or 38, so maybe he a lot is of kicker, retiring. A lot of kickers. Well, maybe. A lot of kickers A lot of kickers kick into their 40s, though. So, I mean. I know, but, you know, some of the – I mean, if he wanted to retire, he could. Well, he's 30, sure. You know, 
He, but he was 25 of 29 last year. So unless Crosby retired, and I'm not aware of it, or he's going to retire, I, I am a little confused because kicker, you're not going to carry two kickers. You could carry one on the practice squad, right? Like like Carlson, they they could like what he does in camp, and he'd be practice squad for a year or two until Crosby retires. But again, I don't necessarily think that Carlson's just getting the job there. Unless again, I'm I'm not aware of up to date on, on uh, Mason Crosby. Uh, undrafted guys, before we go to our next break again, John Samuel Shanker, Las Vegas, Shed Jackson, Cincinnati, Eku, Leota, Detroit, Killian Zaire, Houston, Brandon Council, New York Jets. Not a whole lot stands out. I I hope all those guys can – I think if you're undrafted, your goal is just to make practice squad first and then try and get a, a guaranteed contract on the roster. As I alluded to, I, I – I know that Shed Jackson was not an overly productive receiver at Auburn. I do not expect him to make the team with Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, any wide receiver that would get to play with Joe Burrow, though, would be maximized, and I would love to see that on his behalf, an Auburn guy catch passes from Burrow. John Samuel Schenker in Las Vegas, there might be a spot there. I, I know that they they also were active with tight end this offseason, but they did say goodbye to Darren Waller, who was their top tight end. So there are – Spots available in the tight end position for Las Vegas. Um, beyond that, I guess, you know, just hoping these guys can, can latch on to rosters. So, all in all, though, five draftees, five undrafted guys for now, and not out of the realm of possibility that, that one or two more get, get picked up. But I think it's a solid deal. It's obviously still not where Auburn wants to get to, but it kind of shows you – Again, most of these guys, I know there's a couple linemen there, offensive linemen undrafted, but three of the five draftees, defensive guys, you had another defensive guy in Ecu Leota, uh, and then obviously you had a special teams guy. It kind of shows you, again, that the defense was ahead of the offense, clearly, and a lot of work to do on both sides of the ball because obviously offense was coming from a, a lesser talented point anyway and then defense lost a couple of their top players to the draft, particularly up front in that front seven. So, again, kind of emphasizes here's where the holes are to fill off a team that already had a a decent amount of holes to begin with. We're going to take our next timeout of the show. We'll be back to wrap up hour number two. Again, coming up in hour number three, we will have the best and worst of the weekend. Also, a nightly TV guide to close. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We'll be right back. For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here. Another five or six minutes left here in hour number two. 
I need to correct something that I said. Okay. I I was wrong, but I was not completely wrong. I just had the so I said I I said that I was not really sure about uh, uh, Tank going to Jacksonville because that's where Auburn running backs go to die. I had the wrong team. Okay, Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, are where Auburn running backs go to die, and that's what I was thinking. Rudy Johnson, Ontario McCaleb, Kenny Irons. And I may be missing some. I thought Rudy was pretty good for a few years, though. He, was he, it not with Cincinnati? He he, uh, I, he just he never really. I mean, he may have had like a one or good one year, um, but I mean, he never became like superstar. He he just it, yeah. He had three straight years where he ran for thirteen hundred yards and more than ten touchdowns. Yeah, but then he, but then it just like just went away. He's a running back. They go away quickly. I know. I'm disagree. He had so age twenty four year nine hundred fifty seven rush yards in thirteen games. He's a little injured. Nine TDs next year fourteen hundred fifty four rush yards twelve TDs. Then fourteen hundred fifty eight rush yards twelve TDs. Thirteen hundred nine yards twelve TDs. And then he got injured. His age twenty eight year had five hundred oh. yards in eleven games. And in his next year, he's not the starter. So he's out at the league at, at age thirty. But that's about a normal lifespan for oh. a running back. I. I, okay. I, I mean, the I, others, I, yes. The others, yes. Absolutely. Mikhail did nothing. Kenny he's Irons. actually like a quote unquote wide receiver, right. right? But I mean, but he was a running back here. Kenny Irons got hurt, and that basically ended yeah. his career. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Rudy had some good years there. I'm just saying, I never, I I never thought of Rudy Johnson for what Rudy Johnson was here at Auburn and what he I I never. Rudy Johnson never turned into a guy that would you would look at as like in the pantheon of great NFL running backs. Rudy Johnson is like he was good. Yeah, maybe not I mean, for longevity, but, but yeah. I mean that's a damn good three or four years, though. I mean that that's one of the top running backs in the league for four years, right? I I just I, I know I'm just but I mean it, you can't help injuries. Well, no, I know that, but you know. Like I said, it just, it, I mean, while he had some good seasons, it just it felt like that Rudy's pro career, and sure, it may have gotten sidelined by injuries or whatever, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It just, like I said, when you, when you go back and you look at, at, at big-time NFL running backs, Rudy Johnson is not a guy that, that stands out. I mean, he considering what happened with him here at Auburn and, like, how much of a national high-profile guy he was – he had some good seasons in the pros with the Bengals, but it was it just never really became a a household name. I guess is what I'm looking at, and and so yeah, so sure. Out of the three, he had the better run of it. Obviously, you what know, round was he drafted? Fourth in? round. Well, if you're a fourth round guy, what? I still disagree. I'm sorry. Well, let's see if Michael will settle this. Uh, going back to the Auburn Bank phone line, Michael from Auburn. Michael rejoins us. Settle this debate, Michael. Hey guys, if you pull up Bo's, Bo's career, I mean, yeah, he had great, you know, average rushes, but I mean, his, his length of career is, is very comparable stats wise to Rudy. Okay. I mean, you're not going to dare say that Bo's NFL career was, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it was, it was, you know, injured by, and I, I hated the Cincinnati Bengals for a long time just because of it, but it was shortened by, you know, Injury, so it, it, that, that, that's kind of hard to, you know, if you're if you're looking at those stats, that, that's a that's a that's a hard stat to look at. Yeah, and unfortunately for running backs, like 
I guess what makes someone set apart from someone like Rudy would be you get six to eight healthy years instead of three to four. But there's a lot of running backs. I mean, I can think of just recently, we've talked about this example, you know, Todd Gurley had two or three years in Los Angeles where it looked like he was the dude, he was everything you wanted out of Georgia. And then two years later, just gone. Like he just, he does, I don't know where he is. Is he in Canada? Uh, is he, I, can he walk? I don't know. <laughs> like, like, well, like that can happen to NFL running backs very quickly. Well, I mean, you can look at it on the baseball sense, and, and it'll hit home for Tom probably, but Dale Murphy, I mean, the guy was a lifetimer, and he played, but unfortunately in the latter part of his year with his average being so low is why he's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But but if you're a Braves guy, how is Dale Murphy not in the Hall of Fame? He's a two-time back-to-back in the, you know, NL MVP gold glove, but his average is so low because he played for 20-something years. Sure. Yeah, I mean, like I said, and I just – Bo, yeah, you can talk about the stats and everything with Bo, but I mean, Bo was just such a household name. Even you know, while he was doing what he was doing with the Raiders, he was a household name. Everybody knew Bo. I mean, obviously Nike had a big thing to do with that. Uh, what I was saying with Rudy Johnson, yeah, and he, and I, and he also made a pro. Rudy made a Pro Bowl, so he is a Pro Bowl running back. He uh, he he made he made the Pro Bowl in one of his years, um, but he just he. It just, it, I mean, it just kind of feels he had a couple of great years and they were really good years, but he was just never that household name. He was just never that guy that everybody talks about as, you know, when you go through and you talk about the greatest running backs in NFL history, he's not among that list. Sure, so, but if you're a fourth round pick, you're not supposed to be. Well, not supposed to be. But he I did, mean, like, he right. had a good career where he's picked. Right. Well, sure. Didn't, did did Ben Tate have a good year? I want to say of the Texans, he had a pretty good year there as well um, for yeah. Auburn. Yeah, Ben Tate ended up. Uh, ben Tate ended up in the league a couple of years. Um, he had a nearly thousand yard year his first year. Uh, return. I'm looking at it right now. His third year was good. Uh, 14 games, 800 yards, four touchdowns. But then that that he went off the board much quicker than that. His yeah. 2014 year was about it. All right, guys, thank you. Absolutely, right. as Michael from Auburn joining us again on the Auburn Bank phone line. I, I get. I didn't watch Rudy at Auburn. I I will give you that. But I'm just saying, relatively. I mean, if you're the 100, I've looked it up. It was the exactly the 100th, 100th pick, of the, pick of the draft in the 2001 draft. Yeah. I don't know what you want more than like 6,000 rushing yards <laughs> in a career and and three years where you had 1,300 uh, plus yards. Like that's no. Like I said, no, it was good. But I mean, it just it. I don't blame the Bengals for that. Well, I, but I'm just saying though, the full career just never materialized in Cincinnati. He ended up getting traded to the Lions, and he played like one season. With the Lions, so the the career with Cincinnati, yes, he had he had those great years, but it never manifested itself into a Hall of Famer just because uh, he couldn't stay healthy. I didn't even say a Hall of Famer, but I'm just saying just a you know a great career with Cincinnati. And I get it; it was fourth round, 100th pick, but I think I mean, there are guys there are guys that that are drafted like that that ended up becoming superstars. I don't think Rudy Johnson was ever a quote unquote superstar. I'm not saying he was, but I'm also saying he wasn't supposed to be. Sure, like, but, uh, but they don't go. Right, but uh, but again, I'm going back to what I said though is where I was thinking about is 15 seconds. What I was thinking about when I said that with the Jaguars, I was thinking Cincinnati though. That's the whole point yeah. of the whole thing is that there have been numerous Auburn running backs that have played for the Bengals. That it's like okay, a good season here or just nothing. 
Out of time for this hour. Back with more Sports Call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy with you here. Fun show so far. We appreciate Kevin Ives for being on the 4 o'clock hour to talk Auburn baseball. Their big series win at number three, South Carolina. Putting Auburn in a pretty good position. They can take care of business in the final three weeks here. Make the NCAA tournament after a tumultuous first 30 games or so of the season. We've also talked a little bit about uh, Auburn uh, and the transfer portal with guys exiting, potential guys are trying to bring in, also with the draftees and undrafted guys that have signed from Auburn. Excited about some of these guys. Future five drafted, five signed undrafted. Let's go back into a little bit of what we talked about in the 3 o'clock hour where – we, we talked about some of these portal guys. And again, update anyone that's listening for the first time here on your drive home. A couple guys hit the portal yesterday. Yesterday was the last day to enter your name in the transfer portal unless you are going to become a graduate. If you're a grad transfer, you can still do that later this summer. So guys that are graduating this week at Auburn or, or somewhere else in the coming weeks, you can still get in the portal, but undergrads, guys that have not graduated, they had to get in the portal by the end of yesterday. So there were a slew of portal guys entering from various places across the country. Auburn saw three this weekend. Two of them are, are, are at least fairly significant. Offensive lineman Colby Smith, wide receiver Landed King, and defensive end Dylan Brooks. Of course, Dylan Brooks is significant because that was the highest-rated player that Brian Harson brought in. And... Uh, <laughs> I mean, there were not a lot of highly rated players that he did bring in. And I think I saw something, Justin Ferguson, maybe where it was like 18 of 21 guys yeah. from that class are gone. Yep. And this kind of thing is going to happen more and more. It's still kind of alarming and shocking, but it also makes sense because things were not good at Auburn during the Brian Harson tenure. He did not recruit well. The guys that he were getting were probably more likely to be loyalists to him because if he had a certain presence to him and a certain style of coaching, that was kind of a more like you're going to be all the way in or you're not going to be in at all type. And I'm not saying coaches don't – there are other coaches like that, but certainly I don't think many would describe him and characterize him as, as a huge player's coach type of deal. Right. He was very much more of a drill sergeant. And so most of that class is gone, including Dylan Brooks, the top guy from that class. Overall, the the key names Auburn lost this portal cycle again: Landon King, Dylan Brooks, Jeffrey Imbaugh, who's going to Purdue, and Tavares Dawson Jr., who was going to transfer to Cincinnati, is now on his right way with prime time to Colorado, replace one of the thousands of players it seems yeah. like they've lost. And so, all in all, Auburn loses. They lost a few more players than that, but those were some of the main ones. Not any more than than a lot of other programs. In fact, there were some. Programs in the SEC that lost far more than Auburn did right. throughout these these two cycles. 
All in all, Auburn didn't lose a whole lot. Not that they had a, a ton to lose necessarily because they're in rebuilding mode. But all in all, Tom, I, I don't think that they they lost a couple guys that definitely could have played. Sure, they didn't lose any key players though, and now they turn their attention and try and get a couple guys that hopefully will strengthen various position groups in yeah. the portal. They, there was not a there was not a holy crap moment like a guy that leaves the program. They're just like, oh crap, we're done. You right. know, not one of those. Um, so yeah, I mean, these are the things that are going to happen. Um, sure. There were guys that might have seen some playing time, but these were not guys that were just like dead set dude is a starter, all sec caliber, less role. And all of a sudden he's like, Nope, don't want to be here. No, you didn't have that with Auburn. And so it's just kind of the normal uh, transfer cycle, uh, that every team goes through. So, um, hey, it's unfortunate that you lose some of those guys, but it happens. Uh, I, I'm going to put my trust uh, in Hugh Freeze until he gives me reason not to trust. Uh, I, I'm going to trust that he's got a process in mind of how he's wanting this program to look, what how he wants this roster to look. Uh, same thing that we've talked about with Bruce Pearl with some of the guys leaving that program. It's like I, I'm going to put my trust in the head man that he has an idea, he has a plan, a, a, an idea of how that roster is going to look moving forward. And unfortunately, that means there's going to be some guys that are no longer with the program, and that happens. It's, that's part of it. It is the the sign of the times because absolutely, it, you know, a decade or two ago, you lose five to ten players. Yeah, there's some smoke, there's some fire there. What just happened? But any program in the country is going to go through this now. Sure. I mean, you look at Alabama lose guys, Georgia had some guys transfers. That is going to happen everywhere. So it's not just us trying to blow sunshine everywhere around the room and, and say, oh, you know, the, all, all, it was really nothing to worry about. No, that that is real. That, that is not a huge sign that there's a problem or anything like that. That's a part of it. What I want to see now going forward Obviously, we've talked recruiting in about the 24 and 25 classes, but in this portal cycle, there are now two quarterbacks that right. I think fit the bill of someone that are good enough to come to Auburn and, and be maybe the front runner for the job, good enough to be guys that you truly want uh, in the form of Casey Thompson out of Nebraska and Peyton Thorne out of Michigan State. That's that's now now that you've okay, you, you're dust is settled with guys that are going to be in the portal. All right, and you've only lost a few, and again, none none that really changed the, the 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 mathematics on on how good a position group is for you or anything like that. So now, can you go into the portal at quarterback and then add a few other positions and change the dynamic or improve the dynamic at those position groups now? Because right. we've talked about Hugh Freeze. Everyone has said the portal was a little slower than they wanted it to be. It did pick up late because everyone had to make their final last-minute decisions, and now there are two competent quarterbacks in the portal for Auburn and Target. They're already going clearly after one. Yeah. If you read the Internet and, and look at Michigan State people, they think that Auburn has already been trying to flew a, uh, flew a coup on them for Peyton Thorne to get in the portal in the first place. So Auburn's clearly in, interested here. Sure. So now that now that the objective is all right, add to what you've got now. You didn't lose a whole lot, but can you improve more than you let go of? I guess in the right. last couple months. Yeah. Well, and and just on the quarterback situation, I mean, you look at what you have now. Um, if you bring one of these two guys in, are you better? Are are, are one of these two guys better than? any of the guys that are in that current quarterback room 
and uh, that's that's something that that coaching staff has to evaluate. I am not a hundred percent familiar with those two guys. I do know that they've played; they've got a lot of playing experience. They've put up some big numbers. Yeah, the teams that they've played for have not really been that great, and these are not like big time household quarterback names. But you know, it is what it is. Are they better than Robbie Ashford? Are they better than Holden Gurner? Uh, I would like to think yes. And so if that's the case, then you bring them in here and you have gained. You you have made yourself better in the transfer portal by bringing one of those guys in. And uh, and, and I'm all for it. Let, you know, let's go. Because I'm not 100%. I'm, I'm definitely not sold on Robbie Ashford uh, as a passer. I love I love Robbie Ashford's athletic ability and I love the things he did. I'm, I'm just not sold on him as a competent SEC Top caliber SEC passer, Holden Gurner. We've just hear, been hearing a lot of stuff about him, and now Travon Reed made some. You know, our own Travon Reed made some comments at a uh, uh, like a Kiwanis Club meeting or something. Uh, I think it wasn't it, an ambush, was it? Something else? I, I don't remember what it was, it, but uh, but AL dot com jumped on it. A, a reporter asked Travon Reed that if he had to guess of the guys that are there right now, who would be the starter, and he said Holden Gurner. Really. Yeah, I missed that. Yep. So, wow. Yeah. So that's what Trevon reads. That's news to me. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I don't know enough about Holden. We've heard a lot of good stuff about him. He's very highly ranked coming out of high school. Um. You know, the other thing that kind of made he was a he was a Brian Harson guy, right? He was not a Gus Malzahn guy, was he? Or was oh. he a last of the Gus Malzahn? I think uh, he was a Harson guy. I, I think. think he was hard. I think he was. Is this his third year on campus or second? I think it's just a second because he was if a it's true second I year on campus. I think he was just a true. I think he was just a true freshman in Richard at last year. All right, then if if that's the case, I'll double check this. Then he was a Harson guy. Yeah, that doesn't give you a lot of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> hey, may, I mean, not to be negative. He may, he may end up being one of the best quarterbacks. Ever come through Auburn, but uh, yeah, he was a Harson guy. Yeah, okay, he was absolutely a Harson guy. He was uh, committed. He committed February the first, two thousand twenty-one, right? Which was the in between. Malzahn had been fired okay. a couple months prior, and then Harson landed Gurner a couple months into his tenure, right? And then he was in the class of twenty twenty-two. Gotcha. So yeah, he committed to Harson, and he obviously was in first full class. I don't know. I again. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna write him off just because he was committed to to Harson. But <laughs> just, I, but nothing Harson touched here went well. No, I mean, exactly. You know, that, it, that's just it. Yeah. So again, it's not going to be a vote of confidence. I do think in a perfect world, and this is what a lot of people latched onto when when Auburn hired Hugh Freeze. The perfect world is that Robbie Ashford. Now that now that we've hit through the portal and there's no home run, there's again there's some singles. Maybe Thompson or Thorne is a double. Maybe you know maybe you get a little extra base hit out of it because there's no apparent home run. I think the perfect world scenario is you know what Robbie Asher just develops as a passer. Like in a perfect world, Hugh Freeze develops him as a passer, and the and the magical name of Malik Willis is invoked, and you're like, oh yeah. This is what happened right. at Liberty. That's in a perfect world because Ashford's running ability 
is as good as any quarterbacks in the country. Sure. And it's random, and it's not necessarily the skill you look for in a quarterback. But in college, it is more desirable, and it's more easy to work with because of the style of play and the fact that running quarterbacks can thrive in a, in a way that's more serious and more fruitful than in professional football. So, again, now the likeliness of that happening is something completely different. I, I don't know how much is reasonable to expect Astrid to improve year to year because, again, I know there was a million problems in Auburn's offense last year. I still don't think good passers complete forty nine percent of their passes. You know that that's sure. just I don't care no. <laughs> at that point. It's just that's just not true. So there's some a, of those were bad, right? There's like, there's really a long bad. way to go for him. Now it it gave me the thing I liked most about him throwing the ball last year was that it seemed like his best throws were actually kind of on the run down the field. Right. He made some of his very best passes down the field. That's a nice that's a nice checkbox. Like when I think back to Nick Marshall, who again I think people now are starting to realize how underrated he was, Nick Marshall was not very good at throwing the the pro style routes or throwing the fifteen yard yeah. outs and, and all these stuff. He was really great at the deep ball. That was the best well, part of his as a passer. He completed a lot of deep balls. And so, other than that, he didn't do a lot of special things as a passer. He obviously was a brilliant runner, and that's why the offense works so brilliantly as a run team. But so with Ashford, it's like, okay, if I can see the one thing about him as a passer is that there is some hope for his deep ball ability, all right, that, that's the one thing I would want him to, to be. If I could only pick one thing, obviously you want him to be good at everything passing, but if there's only one thing passing, I would want the deep ball so that you can utilize the fact that he's a great runner with that play action with the linebackers and safeties having the hole to watch him as a runner, spy him, etc. The deep ball is the one thing I'd want him to be good at. There's a lot to improve, though, and I'm not telling you that he's going to come out there next year and he's going to complete five deep balls a game or three deep balls a game, but that is the one thing that I thought was at least I could see it, like the potential-wise I could see it. It's just he's got to work on it. Now, I think that they are going to – my prediction is they do end up bringing in Thorne or Thompson. Yeah. I do not which I do not think both, but I do think one, and I do not know which one. I'm not ready to just, you know, bear down and 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 go out on a limb on one or the other. But I think they'll bring in one. I think they're of similar caliber, and I think that they will come into this race at minimum having every opportunity to win it, if not flat out leading the way the, the minute they walk in the door. Right. Just based off what Auburn has been searching. Because if Auburn was truly pleased, and we know they're not, but if they were truly pleased, they wouldn't be... Right. If they had the confidence... They wouldn't be doing this. No, if they had confidence level in either Ashford or Gurner, then yeah, they'd have no need to right. go it, it, this Same thing for, for Alabama with, with Buckner coming over from Notre Dame. Right. Like if they had no doubts about Milton or whoever else there... They wouldn't have done that. Now, that doesn't mean Buckner will win their job. I personally don't think he will, but nope. I don't know. But they don't bring him in if he's not going to compete for the job. I mean, at that, at that point, that's not something. That's not how Alabama operates. So same thing with Auburn, where I, I'm pretty sure that someone comes in here, at minimum it's going to be 50-50, and then given that Ashford had uh, a rough time of it passing, so rough of it, then there's going to be maybe a better than fifty percent chance of that guy sure. being the guy. So I, I don't. And the the comparison there at Alabama it, that's weird because I mean you're talking about uh, comparisons. You're talking about bringing a former starter here at Auburn. You're talking about bringing a former starter, right? 
over there, you're talking at Bama. You're talking about bringing in a second stringer that has he started the year as a starter and then was not great, and uh, and and then lost the job and right. Notre Dame got better after that. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't think that Alabama should be dying to start him. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I think they brought him in to at least see what he's got because they're not happy with well, what they've got. They're not, but you know, also you're wondering if that's kind of bringing him in as kind of a wake up call, maybe a push for yeah. Milton or you know to a hey, step your game up. I don't know. Excuse me, choking myself up. It's a passionate discussion that we're having. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm also passionate about watching this Braves game over it, here. With the, I have a feeling it's going to get overturned. By the way, yeah. So uh, the Braves were down two to nothing, and uh, just had a potentially a three run double to take the lead. But they called a guy out at home plate. We saw the replay. He's going to his safe. his foot was definitely in before the tag. Um, so anyway, but uh, no, yeah. I mean, you're at Bama. You're talking about you. You're bringing in a guy that was a second stringer for the vast majority of their season. You know, with Auburn, you're talking about bringing a true starter that right. is a, an experienced starter that has put up 2,000 plus yards passing. And they did overturn it, so the Braves yep. are up three to two now. Yep. Um, so different scenario there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 that staff w- here at Auburn, if the staff was Fully confident in in either Ashford or Gurner, and, and you notice I'm not even bring, mentioning Finley because I don't think anybody has any confidence in TJ. I, Finley. I think he's going to graduate and he's going to leave. Sure, and then he's going to end up at I don't know southeastern Louisiana. Sure, for some FCS yeah. school, he's not going to be at Auburn. No, um, but yeah, but if the confidence level of, of either Ashford or Gurner, then they would not need to go out and get one because you've got a stud quarterback coming in in a freshman class that you can that you're thinking might be the future quarterback of this team moving forward, bring a guy in that can lead this team for a year and then see what happens after that. The the argument – here's the argument for Thorne over Thompson. As I, Still trying to create a, a better Thompson narrative. Again, their stats are so similar. Right. And they played on teams. Thorne, Michigan State situation was a little better than Nebraska, and then the one year Thompson's at Texas, they were still five and seven before they hired right. Sarkeesian. Um, the argument for Thorne is that he's got an extra year right. of eligibility, and that's a pretty clear cut check check mark for him. Sure, because Auburn does not have. I know they brought in the kid that was committed to Liberty, Hank Brown. Yeah. Is his name. I think you know he he I. He's not going to factor in. No. So the so the so. big kid that they're next in line for is Walker White. Walker White, right, out of Arkansas. But he's the next class, so he's not here yet. Yeah. And then as a true freshman, I don't know. That's not something you want to take to the bank. He's still not like the number one QB in the class. Sure. So if you have the two years of eligibility, Thorne is good. Then, well, that's your clear starter for one more year. Right. White sits for a year, and then he's the starter. And but then the other way to look at it is, you know, if Holden Gurner has been really good in the spring, and and like I said, Travon Reed even said that you know if Auburn did not go after a transfer quarterback, his bet would that Holden would right. be the starter. So if that staff feels like Holden is kind of like right there, but maybe not this year. Then you go for a guy that only has the one year of eligibility, and then it, turn it over to a guy like Holden Gurner until you can get your freshman ready to go. I mean, I guess you kind of look at that scenario. You know, if you only have the guy for one year, you at least have you you at least have Gurner that you can turn to and let him have another year 
of preparation and another year of work and especially work in this system and learning it and everything like that. Or you go for a guy that has the multiple years and then you go Walker White after that and Gurner, it's like, mm, sorry, buddy. I, you know, I don't know. There, there's a lot of different scenarios that you can run through with that. Right. Well, and I'll, I'll it's point- a good It's a good position to be in instead of what yeah. we've seen in previous years well, where we're yeah. like, who in the hell is going to even play the position? So my devil's advocate is, and then we do need to take our, our next break, my devil's advocate is we had a conversation, I don't know, three weeks ago, a month ago, I, I don't know. They blend together. But well, we, we, you talked about your concerns with Gurner even fitting this system. True. And then I tried to I tried to stick up for him and say, oh, well, you know, the Ole Miss QB, some of them were really not that mobile. Right. And, and who cares? But, but, but I, I mean, as a general, if I'm just my personal preference in the game of college football, I want someone that can run too. No, they absolutely. don't have to be Nick Marshall, right. but – like that, it is much more difficult. I feel like you are more limited in how open college football, football in general, is when yeah. you don't have someone that can escape the pocket. Look, you ain't gonna obviously Auburn knows this the last several years. You're not gonna block it perfectly every time, right? So, can you find someone that can extend plays at the bare minimum, if not just straight up make plays on their own with their legs, and? I think there would be doubts on if Gurner would do that. I don't. I think there'd be doubts on if Freeze prefers that in his quarterback. I, right. I mean, you can debate what he prefers, but clearly he liked working with more athletic guys recently yeah. at Ole Miss. He was a little more okay with the with the more of the steady stationary guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it it's one of those things that's going to be interesting to see. And of course, you know, we're we're talking about this like we're definitely going to get one of those two guys, which. You know, you just never know. But I mean, it it feels like Auburn is in great position to get one of those two. And then, what does that do for the future? Well, I don't know. But we'll 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 get there when we get there. But um, as far as this season goes, you know, you're going to have to have somebody that is a little bit more than just a serviceable quarterback. And I think when the guys that are currently here, that's about all that is is serviceable. And if you have to go with, if you have to roll with one of those guys, it's like, goodness gracious. All right, let's just try to get through this year without any epic disasters, and then we'll see what happens. You bring in one of these two guys for me, one of these two dudes in the portal, you might actually be able to make a little bit of noise. Um, there's still obviously big question marks all around them, and you can still try to hit up in the portal and maybe make some noise there. But at least if you have a guy at quarterback, that you have more confidence in than you might. You're talking about the difference between six and seven wins and maybe even sneaking nine wins. If you if you get a decent quarterback that can actually be a very – I don't even want to say a very good SEC quarterback. A pretty darn good SEC quarterback, you know, better than serviceable. Don't have to be great, but just better than just kind of serviceable. You can get nine wins – that that's the difference between six and seven wins and maybe an eight and nine win season is that quarterback position. Let's real quickly go back to our Auburn Bank phone line next up on the show. Matt from Tallahassee. Hey Matt, uh, Matt uh, from Tallahassee. Matt from Casita uh, joining us now. Matt, how are you doing, man? Hi, how are you guys? Who am I talking to? Ryan and Tom today. We'll have to be a little brief because we've got to take a commercial in a couple minutes. Hi, Tom. Are you behaving today? I am doing the best I can to try to behave. Hey, you guys made us lose at softball and baseball. Oh, they, won, they, they, they won, won the, the series. Yeah, they won the series. Yeah, but they lost yesterday, though. Well, baseball did. Softball won. I think overall Auburn's still very pleased with the weekend. So, hey, so what do you guys think about 
the call that, like, uh, South Carolina's coach, I saw he got tossed in the third inning. And he should have uh, listened to the umpire and not – and not follow the umpire around because you're not gonna you're not gonna win against the umpire. Yeah, you're right. You're not going to. I I did not see him getting ejected. I know he did, but I I did not. Uh, I did, was not watching when that happened. Well, and I got I got a question. Like actually, like um, a couple questions. Two, like uh, first, I know you guys have to go, but um, the quarterback. Uh, I heard that we're gonna get a quarterback, and then uh, then we're gonna get. A, probably a wide receiver visiting Auburn this week, and then I heard that Auburn is getting the leading the leading scorer from Vanderbilt for point guard. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, first with the quarterbacks, we were just talking about them. Uh, Peyton Thorne from Michigan State, um, also Casey Thompson from Nebraska. I know they visited with Thompson. Uh, they're interested in Thorne too. We'll see how that shakes out. I do think they'll end up with one of them. Uh, as far as the Vanderbilt point guard Lawrence, I, I've not seen that that's official. I think that's just a rumor at this point. They very well could be getting him in a matter of days, but uh, not official to my knowledge just yet. But it would be a good get. He was a uh, productive player for Vanderbilt. Then I heard they're supposed to have a, like a wide receiver visiting. Uh, yeah, I know they've got a couple portal targets at wide receiver. I, I've got to uh, figure out which one is visiting when, but I, I know that there's a – there's uh, a couple. There's one I think maybe from Colorado uh, involved, yeah. and, and yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. But hey, say like say we get one of the quarterbacks, the one either from Nebraska or um, I know that Bama got the one from um, I think Notre Dame. Yes. And then there's a quarterback I think from Purdue that might look kind of Michigan kind State. Of Peyton Thorne. Pe- yeah. So. So say say we get say we get to either Nebraska or Peyton Thorn, where would that be? Where would you think TJ TJ Finley will go? You think anyone will probably? You think Louisiana Row would be good for TJ Finley or Oklahoma or Troy or Jacksonville State? Yeah, not Oklahoma. Uh, I think maybe maybe ULM. He's got that Louisiana background. It right. it will be someone in the lower tier of divi- of FBS, or it'll be someone in the FCS. It will not be a big school. So hey, so can Auburn still like you guys can answer this, Tom? I'll start with you first. Do you okay. think Auburn still has a chance for an SEC tournament and and probably the NCAA tournament and probably host a regional? And what do you think about softball too? Probably. Uh so. Right after the after the series win over South Carolina, Auburn is in a much better position to make a regional. Auburn will not host a regional. They just don't have the record uh, to be able to host one. But getting to the regional uh, is right now looking very good. Uh, softball, I've uh, been doing great. Um, still some losses there and, and some rough areas. Uh, softball will definitely also make a regional. I think they're up to number 13 in the country in a poll that I saw. Uh they have a better chance of hosting a regional, but I still don't think softball will host a regional. Um, I, I I think they get to one. I, I, I do not, think they will end up hosting. Oh, you do yeah. think they will host one? Yeah, softball. Yes. Okay. Well, hey, we hey, do, we 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 disagree on that. I I think they're I they're definitely going to be in a regional. I don't know if they're going to host. Ryan thinks they will. Baseball will not be hosting a regional. Hey, Ryan, you think softball will host a regional and a super regional? Definitely not a super regional. I think they will make top 16, though. I know that they're 
RPI is still lagging a little bit, but they are they are um, third in the SEC. They've beaten the teams around them in the SEC too. They beat LSU in a series. They beat Alabama in a series on the road. I think they still have to make sure they win this Mississippi State series. If they do lose that series, that changes the equation. But if right. they if they win the Mississippi State series, especially if they sweep the Mississippi State series, I absolutely but, think they're going to host. Well, hey, last question. I know you guys have to go. Yes. Last question. You guys can answer this. You guys can tell me the answers. The rest of the games, Auburn's got – I know Auburn's got to play LSU this week in baseball. Yes. And then they got – I think uh, – like, is it two more home games after they play LSU? Uh, one more home series uh, and one more road series. They'll be at Ole Miss and host Missouri. Okay. So what do you think? Do you think Auburn can probably win the last three games probably? Yeah. Like, against, against LSU and against Ole Miss and Missouri? I think they have a very good chance of winning the Ole Miss and Missouri series. I do not think they will win the LSU series. I think they're just trying to make sure they get one out of three against LSU and anything extra would be such a positive. Who's pitching for Auburn against LSU? Do you guys know? Uh, It's not been announced. I would be very shocked if it was not Tommy Vale on Friday and Christian Herbert Holes on Saturday. I think it would be Connor. Well, I'm sure he'll pitch at some point this weekend, but they've been starting Herbert Holes on Saturdays. Yeah. Well, hey, what do you guys think about what do you think about like a uh, tank getting drafted by Seattle uh, Seahawks and um, Derek and Derek Hall being it, drafted? Yeah, Derek Hall by Seattle, Tank Bigsby by Jacksonville. Very excited for both of them. Hall went early second round. I think he will be developed very nicely in Seattle, and then I like the opportunity for Tank. Uh, in Jacksonville, a young core of skill position players there, and I, I'm excited for them. Matt, we hey, get, we do have to let you go here in just a second. Hey, I was going to tell you, me and my mom and dad and my sister went to like a jazz band, like right right by the hotel, uh, not very far from Turner's Corner, and we went to like a restaurant, and a guy, and I, this is an NFL question. Have you guys ever been to a jazz before? No. I have not. It, it, it was it was awesome. But hey, if I got an NFL question, how long do you guys think that Young was staying in the NFL? Uh, uh, an Auburn fan told me. Well, he was an Alabama fan, but he wasn't an Auburn fan. He was an Auburn fan. He don't think Bryce Young would stay very long in the NFL because he's a, like um, he he don't think like. Bryce Young going to stay very long in the NFL. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think he's referring to the potential uh, for injury for Bryce Young. I, I think Bryce Young will be a, a productive NFL player, so I don't think it'll be anything to do with his skill set or anything like that. It would just be if he has injuries, and I, I don't, you know, I, I I don't know how that will go. I'm not especially worried about it, but uh, I know some people. I, I'm are. hoping Cam. I'm hoping Cam can go back to Carolina Panthers. It'd be good for Cam. Yeah, he, he won't be going back to Carolina. His I think his <laughs> NFL career is probably over at this point. Well, hey, hey, wait, hey, wait, hey, did you ever, you ever get a hold of uh, Devon Reed or uh, Cadillac? Uh, we we have not uh, we have not Matt and we uh, we we got to take this next break, buddy. So we appreciate oh, well, you calling. Hey, I'll call and I'll tell JJ to be on next Monday. I'll call you guys next Monday and War Eagle guys. War Eagle Matt, uh, War Eagle. appreciate the phone call. That is Matt for Tallahassee or Matt from Tallahassee, Matt from Casita, Matt for Auburn calling us on Sports Call today. We are out of time for this segment. We need to take a break here. Uh, about out of time for the show now at this point. We'll be back with a very quick best and worst of the weekend and wrap things up on this Monday edition of Sports Call.
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy with you. Only about five or so minutes left in the show today. As a, well, That was a long segment between talking a little portal and then talking to Matt. Appreciate that phone call, though, from Matt. So let's get right into it, then. Let's get a very abbreviated version of best and worst of the weekend. Now time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. All right, Tom, start us off. Either way you want to go. Uh, I mean, best, Actually, go ahead and give me both for the sake right. of time. Go ahead and give me uh, both. I mean, best has got to be just the, the both batted ball sports uh, with the uh, series wins over South Carolina. Baseball, extremely unexpected series win over the number two team in the country. So you got to love that. And then softball keeping rolling and Matty Pinta with a no-hitter to seal the uh, series win. You just got to love it. Uh, worst of the weekend was definitely – uh, my experience on Lake Eufaula Sunday, uh, like I mentioned, it, it rained on us uh, for the first good two hours of it. So we had all the rain suits on, the, then the rain finally moved out. And then like the 20, 20 to 25 mile hour sustained winds uh, moved in and pretty much made Eufaula look like the ocean. And uh, if you've ever been in a bass boat, <clears throat> if you've ever been in a bass boat trying to move down extremely choppy waters, it, it gets scary, it gets dangerous, uh, and Pretty much just washed out any ability to do any sort of fishing. So yeah, the uh, the old fishing trip to Ufaw Sunday was quite literally a washout. Dang, I hate that. You don't and get to do that as often as you I, want I to. Don't, to begin I, with. I don't. And it was yeah, it's also frustrating because you know the last time I went, I caught one that was nearly seven pounds. I remember and, that. Yeah, yeah. And so this is my my next trip there. And yeah, the Mother Nature just did not cooperate co- cooperate with us at all. You have any plans for another one? in the near future i don't no, know just kind of comes up suddenly. now i we i know we me and that guy are gonna have to pretty soon go to uh lake mitchell which is up kind of towards clanton because i think he has a tournament uh on mitchell and he's never fished it and i have fished lake mitchell a lot so uh yeah i need to go up there and kind of show him the rounds on lake mitchell and how to fish that one so that might be our next trip all right all right, my best and worst of the weekend. They're both in the sport of basketball in the NBA, something we don't talk a lot about. And Thank goodness. I know. You, and it's because <laughs> of you. Because of you. And also our listeners. Our listeners don't uh, don't yeah. care too much about the NBA, even though I could talk about it for all three hours if you wanted me to. But my worst of the weekend was uh, everything pertaining to the attitude of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I think they have some of the most exciting players in the league. But, of course, Dylan Brooks talked – absolutely reckless amounts of trash talk towards one of the greatest players in the history of the game, LeBron James. And I'm not some big LeBron truther or defender or anything like that, but to the point of you are not good enough to be saying the things that you are saying. And uh, then promptly after losing does the most cowardly thing and does not talk to the media after they lost their series to the Lakers. If you're going to talk, you should also talk when you are scheduled to talk. You got fined $25,000 by the league today uh, for that. And so, again, if you're going to act like a bad boy and you're going to act like you 
You're going to talk all this trash. You got to back it up. You got to back it up with your play, and you also got to back it up when you lose. So my worst is trash talk that is very one-sided right. and uh, unnecessary. My best <clears throat> is also from the sport of basketball. Shocker. Again, I like the NBA. Uh, it's the performance we saw yesterday from Steph Curry. 50 points. <sighs> Yeah. In a road game seven, it's the most points in the history of game sevens in the entire National National Basketball Association. Never more than that. The previous high had been Kevin Durant with 48. Steph got 50 yesterday. And I talked a little bit about this into the what to watch for over the weekend on Friday with Cam. And I said, hey, if we get this series, appreciate this. And we're going to get it. LeBron James and the Lakers versus Steph Curry and the Warriors. And it's my best of the weekend for Steph's performance and that we're actually going to get this because obviously they were a part of the finals four straight years. These are the two best players of the last 15, 20 years. And the opportunity to see this, this might be it. LeBron's 38. He's only got a few more years left in the league. Steph is 35. He's actually proving he's still in his prime. But you just never know with these things. And so enjoy the heck out of this series. My best is that, A, Steph Curry was phenomenal on Sunday, leading his team past the Kings, but then also that we do get a Western Conference playoff version of Steph Curry versus LeBron James. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, that starts tomorrow night. Steph Curry and I – yeah, I got to watch the high, uh, his many highlights of that game, and it, it's he is just like uncanny of the types of shots that he can make because there there's shots that he makes where it didn't even look like he's shooting the ball. It's like he just kind of like kind of off balance. It almost looks like he may be lobbing it to somebody for for like an alley oop, but I mean he's actually shooting the ball. He just he has like every shot in the book. Yeah. And then he had the one where that like crossover dribbled right between two dudes, and I'm like, "Good right, lord, got fouled, man!" Flipped it up almost off the yeah. ground. Again, his finishing—I so I, I don't need to gush right here, but again, he is the greatest shooter of all time. Right, but obviously, he's one of the great players of all time because of far more than just his shooting. He's he's a scorer. He's averaging 34 a game in the playoffs in his career. He averages 27 a game in the playoffs with Durant, without Durant, before Durant, after Durant. It doesn't matter. Uh, he's always been able to to yeah. do impressive things, and I don't know, man. He's one. He might be the best small player ever. Uh, I say small, but six two. You know, all these right. guys above him, Le- LeBron's, the Kobe's, six eleven. The yeah, the seven uh, foot, the birds and Magics and all that. All those guys, six six, six eight, six nine, six yeah. ten, and he's the only guy down there around six two. Uh, that's kind of up in that level. So he's been. Uh, incredible, and he's going to have to keep being incredible if Golden State's going to keep advancing. All right, real quickly, time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. NBA, the playoffs continue tonight, round two. Game one, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, 6.30 on TNT. No Joel Embiid for the Sixers. That's going to be an uphill climb. For them, 7 o'clock, Major League Baseball on FS1, San Francisco Giants, Houston Astros. 7 o'clock, NHL. Man, the NHL playoffs has been a lot of fun, too. Yep. A lot of Game 7s. Dude, Bruins got beat. Best team yes, in the NHL I, got knocked out. We'll have some more pro sports talk, too, because I want I want a little blurb on that one. Uh, but Game 7, Rangers-Devils, New York versus New Jersey. That's going to be intense tonight. That's going to be oh, yeah. fun on ESPN. And then a couple movie picks for you. Spider-Man Homecoming, 6 o'clock on FX. And then 7 o'clock, Castaway, a classic with Tom Hanks. Well said. 7 o'clock AMC for that one. That is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Tom, thank you very much for being here. Good, Good to talk to you. We'll see you tomorrow. I'll be here. And, of course, we thank Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. 
Plainsman parking lot. We thank him for joining the show today to talk some Auburn baseball after their great series at number three, South Carolina. That will do it for the show today. Of course, we always appreciate all those that tune in and call in. want to remind you, Smith Station Softball right now, FM Talk 93.9 in area play. So tune over to 93.9 if you want to hear that. They'll be back in action tomorrow as well. For Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Lavoie. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.